Hey gang, sad news this morning. Uh, Alan Grant, unfortunately, uh, has passed away. The legendary comic book writer. Uh, obviously, we know him well from his work on Judge Dredd with uh, John Wagner. His work on Johnny Alpha, Stronium Dog. Uh, I mean, his Lobo work, his Batman work, his Judge Anderson work. Um, this was a, a guy who contributed so much to 2000 AD uh, and British comics and then went on to forge a huge career in US comics all through the 90s into the 2000s with his Batman and his Lobo in particular. Um, Words can barely do justice to his legacy, which is huge, uh, and the loss, which I think is even larger. And uh, from my perspective, uh, someone who... With John Wagner, just set the baseline for Dread and just was fantastic. And all those episodes that um, they wrote together uh, were just so good. And then you go on, you look at um, he developed Strontium Dog uh, with John Wagner, and then afterwards, and his Judge Anderson work, for example. And then you look at his Lobo in the nineties; like it was just great. Uh, his Batman run, I mean, it's extensive. He's, uh, it's a huge run on Batman um, that he did. And just so many things. And from all reports, we, we've we've had um, Chuck Dix on the show many times, and I always squeeze Chuck for an Alan Grant story or two because he just seems like he was just such, a, such an interesting guy. Um, he was thinking outside the box, as I think you need to, to have that kind of impact. And, yeah, just a, a thoroughly entertaining good-humoured writer. Um, He had a lot of humour and satire in a lot of his stories, not all, but a lot. And, yeah, I just want to say um, we never got the chance to speak on Signal of Doom many times. I spoke of how much his work meant to me. And, yeah, we have to, you know, rest in peace, Alan. Um, And we're thinking of um, you and your family in this moment. And, yeah, all we can say is, you know, thank you for all the work that you gave us and all the all the joy that you gave people over the years and i still think those strontium dog stories and those judge red stories they're going to last forever they're they're absolutely fantastic uh and you know i hope if there's a lobo movie um you know your family gets a significant check and uh and possibly a reference in the movie because i think his work on lobo just in itself um was landmark stuff you know, a fantastic writer, a uh, fantastic person, and uh, sorely missed. Okay, rest in peace, Alan. Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Oh, well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. same old song And I don't leave the highway long enough to bog down in the mud 
I've got a rambling fever in my blood I caught this rambling fever long ago When I first heard a lonesome whistle blow If someone said I ever gave a damn They damn sure told you wrong I've had rambling fever all along Rambling fever The kind that can't be measured by degrees Rambling fever There ain't no kind of cure for my disease There's times I'd like to bed down Let some pretty lady rub my back And spend the early morning drinking coffee and Talking about when I'll be coming back Cause I don't let no woman tie me down And I'll never get too old to get around I want to die along the highway and right away like some old highline pole Restless rambling fever in my soul Rambling fever Kind that can't be measured by degrees Rambling fever There ain't no kind of cure for my disease Yeah Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 275. I'm Dave. I'm here with the main man, Rich. Rich, how are you going? Hey, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. We had a, we had a good uh, uh, Dread or Dead yeah. show today and now we're doing the main one. That's it. With Adam and yourself and we were patrolling the mean streets of Mega City 1. And can I say, I still think for a judge, you're a little soft on crime, Rich. I think you need to take it up a notch, my friend. Um, I never, never claim to. I never claim to be a judge. I am a judge. Oh my god, I'm I'm one of the most eager judges in history. If anything, I need to be reined in a little bit. You know what I mean? Because I see the crimes happening. I oh, want to rush in there with the batters. I'd probably say more than a little bit. <laughs> so that is true, listeners. Um, if you're tuning in to Signal of Doom, check out Dread or Dead. Uh, that episode will be coming out the same time as this, so they'll both be there in the new feed. We did uh, Judge Red Cry of the Wolf, I think it's called, or Cry of the Werewolf, and also the IDW Deviations um, sort of what-if from that storyline, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but, Rich, it feels like longer than a week since we've spoken. What's been going on in your life since last week, Rich? What have you been doing? Hits, killings? What's been going on? Uh, no, not much. Um uh, still watching some uh, more of the X Men animated. I'm up to season three. Okay, uh, just got around to. I finally watched that new Mutants movie. I've heard it's terrible. Um, yeah, it's a five out of ten. It's not okay. It's not, it's not terrible, but I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing great. Is like, it worse than Dark Phoenix, which I really thought was poor? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
It's, de- it's definitely better than that. Okay, because that was the pits, I thought, you know. No, look, uh, this is just kind of like, it's kind of like a bit of a horror movie, but they're just using the New Mutants. Um, right. Um, as sort of standing for your, you know, the kids, the teenagers. Yeah, okay. Interesting. But it works, it works, mm. but I mean... Uh, it's it's a five out of ten. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's just that like hey you know what yeah it was yeah it is what it is. It's not awful. Like it's not okay. it's not Dark Phoenix Mobius. All right, that makes me want to actually watch it then. If if that's the case, that would actually give it a look. Why not? And you're a new you. I mean, I'm assuming you were a new mutants reader back in the time, were you? Or no, you familiar with it? No. because uh, you know what I remember. I actually remember. At the time, and I never picked up an issue, but that Bill Sienkiewicz did really trippy, like, uh, art for it. Because I remember it being that book that I could never really understand, if you know what I mean. Like, it seemed it was just out of my frame of reference as a, as a young guy picking out my comics. I was always like, wow, this seems really weird, you know, and, and kind of more mature in, in sort of like the, you know, almost too old for me kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I never never got into the, the New Mutants. Okay, well, yeah, me just either. It never resonated with Fair enough. But, yeah, okay, so worth checking out, though, just on a lazy night, you know, maybe cut a solo Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Uh, even even Lockheed makes an appearance. Good. Does Kitty Pride? No. Really? No Kitty Pride, but Lockheed. That's weird. Yeah, well, because, uh, obviously, uh, Ileana's magic. Mm. You know, Ileana Rasputin, so... He has a bit of a cameo. Okay, cool. Oh, well, I mean, that's uh, any other X-Men characters of note that we would know? Uh, no, I mean, it's all uh, it's all pretty much the uh, the, the, the roster. Uh, you've got Danny Moonstar. You've got Rain. Mm. Uh, you've got... Um, all the characters uh, I don't care about. Roberto, uh, you've got Ileana, and you've mm. got... Um, Colossus? Oh, what's, what's Cannonball's name again? Um, yeah, Danny or something. Sam, or? Sam Gunthry, I think it was. Sam, yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's pl- apparently he's played by one of the um, Stranger Things kids, uh, okay. Sam Gunthry. Any Colossus um, mentions and, with with no 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 mentions. Uh, no mentions of a brother at all. Well, you've got to remember, coming I mean, Colossus isn't really it's isn't not really a thing in the X Men movies. Um, unfortunately, he's a Deadpool. He's in X Men uh, Three. Yeah, but Deadpool's one of those things where it's it's. He's in X Men Three. He's, he's in X Men Three, where they say take care of the. Ameri- and he also has an American accent in it. So they say take to- care of the children or something, don't they? In X Men Three. Yeah, and he and he is. I'm pretty sure he has an American accent. So I mean, oh, whatever. I mean, I mean, still. Like- I See, it's a weird thing. You 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 seem to focus on a, a word that I say instead of the main <laughs> word, and I said he's not a big thing in the X Men movies, and then you go, oh well, he was in X Men Three. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, so what, Richard? Like, what? You fucking put me on trial, Jesus Christ! I will, actually, I will. You know, you want, you know what? You want me to be harsh on crime? I'm no. be fucking harsh on crime, man. I'm going to throw you in fucking jail. I tell you what, if I'm a judge, I'm one step away from going right off the fucking edge. You know what I mean? Like, dread keeps it in check. I'd find it hard when confronted with all the crime and stuff that to just go on like my own kind of killing spree. You know what I mean? I think you would look- excuse to go over the edge yeah for sure man <laughs> like, like, you're, pretty much, you're like oh i'm gonna need an excuse <laughs> any justification now i tell you what i've been doing this week listening to a lot of merle haggard a hell of a lot michelle's basically locked me in my office i've been playing him night and day i'm going to sleep listening to him 
I love Mel Haggard, and and I heard one of his songs play, "Ramblin' Fever." What a song! You familiar with it, Rich? You don't no, do Ramblin' no, I'm Fever. Not, I'm not. Uh, that's not my. It's old man music. It's not my cup of tea. That, it's that a, sort of country western. It's old man kind of like down at the ranch or driving a truck, driving a big rig, and you got a bit of him on. And ah, oh, he goes down just perfectly for me. And I've just been soaking in those flavors all week. And Michelle just closes the door. She just totally gave up at one point. And I was in the office one day and um, none of my team were in. So I was playing Mel Haggard. I was so, so happy. (laughs) Normally the radio is playing modern shit. And I I had Mel Haggard going. No one could tell me to turn it off. There was no one in my area. I was just loving it, man. Like, you know, I was just singing along. Proud to be an Oki from Muskogee. <laughs> so, yeah, good on Mel Haggard, man. I'm any Fair new- enough. Now, we do have some sad news. Uh, Michael Kellershim, uh, we're thinking of you. Uh, his mother passed away um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, Michael, number one fan and number one listener um, and a good friend and a good friend to the show and, uh, you know, He's lost his mum and um, I think she was 61 and, and we are thinking of you, Michael, and I mean, you know, whatever we can do always, uh, even if it's just to entertain for that brief moment, um, at least it's something. Now, he did have a, uh, a news... I mean, the thing is, Michael, even with the tragedy, has still got the news. He is the postman, so the postman always delivers, rather than or shine. Now, um, he sent me this thing, which you're probably familiar with it because you, you sort of keep more in touch with the, the comics gate people, all that kind of stuff, don't you? Isn't this part of your – you sort of know more about these guys? I know some of them, especially the ex-industry guys, but okay. I I'm, not, right. I'm not big on like the – on every – All right. Uh, well, I've got some news for you. I've got some news for you. So uh, Eric July, he's the host of a podcast for Canon's sake – who I on occasion listen to, this is Michael speaking, and had to suspect he was actually Richard in disguise. He's a libertarian slash ex-heavy metal singer slash bonafide black guy who was so sick of the woke onslaught in comics, he decided to create his own comic company, Ripperverse. Now, I actually, when he said this, this has come up on Facebook. I know this from, like, Graham Nolan's page and stuff. Now, uh, the haters were hating, and even Ethan Van Skyver was saying it wasn't going to sell much. Now, after less than a week, ISOM1, ISOM1, is headed towards $3 million in sales, even got covered in the New York Post. Um, but will it be covered on the Signal of Doom, the only place where it matters? Well, hell yeah. Why not? Like, So they, 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 uh, it earned $1.7 million in four days, Rich. It's pretty impressive. Um, yes, um, I, I, did, I did see this... Um because uh, uh, I believe he's not gone the the crowdfunding route. Um, he's mm-hmm. actually it's all done and ready. Yeah. So he's basically just taking orders and then basically printing to orders. So yeah. So he's, he's people do yeah. saying that it's crowdfunding, but it's not actually. He paid for it all already, which is yeah, impressive. Yeah. He, he, now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. It's like a lot of people. Um, I mm. have. It's a weird thing to me where mm. it's so funny to me that when a black person is successful Mm. if they don't have the right politics then it doesn't count it's so weird to me like in an age where you know the 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 anti-racists basically (laughs) have an example here of a black guy being successful Mm -hmm. they go no not the right kind of black guy and i believe any mention of his comic has been banned off reddit 
Why? Or something like that. Or well, what, what, what's the content? I, I know nothing about the content. What is the content that makes it so controversial? No, it's not the content. It's him. Just him. It's because he's right. He's not a lefty. He's not a Democrat. He's not. Uh, oh, uh, I blame the white man for everything. Uh, <laughs> right. oh, it's so tough being a black guy. He's he's right. not apparently that guy. So, well, right. then he's. I mean, he's this is a lot. Of, this is a lot of like you know guys. Like it's not like he's the only guy who doesn't share kind of radical left politics. Um, right. Okay. So it's just that. That's it. That's the controversy. So this is. I mean, there was a thing I saw Chuck Dixon was doing kind of his like Chuck Dixon says thing, and it's like when he got um, maybe not fired, but when he left DC, um, uh, they went out of their way to really fuck up his storylines, and they actually nuked Bloodhaven, literally nuked it, like the city that he'd done all with all his Nightwing and stuff, and they did all these things to, to, just to sort of poison the well a bit, like you know the pettiness, um, and there was nothing to it other than he was just. A bit yeah. more conservative than what they liked, you know. Like, well, it's it's crazy. interesting because there's even some people who are like, "Oh, well, you know, that's the amount of money. That's not about units." But I did the math, and let's say he hits three million dollars, right? Still and let's impressive. say it's it's pretty expensive. Let's say it's is this just for one issue? Is this for one issue? What's he selling? I don't it's even. Not understand. an issue. It's it's like, like a, a graphic novel. Well, it is an issue, but it's I think it's like a ninety page. Right. So it's a, like that's that. a graphic novel. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, let, let's say let's say it's fifty dollars, right? Because obviously, independent stuff can be. Even if it's fifty dollars, that's that's about. Is he charging fifty bucks for it? Really? Well, again, that's including postage what? and all that sort of stuff. Seems crazy. Anyway, so he whatever he's charging, he's in revenue. He's picked up what close to four million. Is yeah, that right? But what I'm saying, I'm, I've worked it out. It's probably only going to be about thirty bucks. But I'm just being mm. overly cautious, and I'm saying let's say it's costing everyone fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. That's about sixty thousand units, which is better than uh, like Miss Marvel or <laughs> a lot of the the low end. Well, what I'm puzzled by is okay. I get it. This guy's obviously got a YouTube fan base or something, but like, is that it? Like, he's just mobilized his fan base to buy it, basically. Like, that's I mean, that's successful. Oh, not just his fan base, because I mean, uh, I, I would say there's going to be. I mean, I'm impressed. Uh, other people, but yeah, but he's, I mean, he's he not an industry professional. Money. It's he's not like no he's, money on advertising, apparently. It's so it's not like uh, Mike Barron or Chuck Dixon and all these other guys, Ethan Van Skyver, who've got like a you know a lot of industry cred, and so when they went independent, like you know they they've sort of got a track record. This guy did just doesn't have that, but he's obviously got a very successful social media platform um, wherever he's yeah, based. Uh, you know? I believe he's also a musician, so he's probably got. Right, um, he's got yeah, okay. He, he's not like some unknown guy. I believe he's yeah. got a. He's had one band, and then his new band is called Backwards. If mm. I believe, not a great name, Backwards. not a yeah. great name. And can I say, Ripperverse isn't actually a great name either. Just my feedback, you know, for him. Um, is Ripperverse the name of the universe, like Marvel <laughs> Universe? It's called Ripperverse. Is that right? Um. Uh, well, I think that's got it's got to do with his um. So his name, his his rapper name, or his oh, his like Ripper name, something, his young Ripper. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, that, that so makes sense. By calling it the Ripper verse, he's just, I guess it's what is this guy? I thought he was heavy metal. Stuff. What he's now rapping as well? Jesus, is there anything no, no, this no. guy doesn't he, do? He's a rapper, and he's he kind of 
he's a rapper that uh, he did hip hop and then rap. he kind of moved more into the metal scene. Uh-huh. So he does still do a bit of rapping on the God. albums, but it's mostly him just like um, singing as well. So Jesus. Well, I mean, good luck to him. I mean, it's not my kind of cup of tea, but as far as I'm concerned, all whenever someone succeeds doing something like this, I, I just say good luck to them. Like, fuck it. Like, why not? Like, the guy shot for the fucking moon and he's hit it. Mate, you know? I wish him all the success. Me too. Like, why not? The more success he has, the more uh, people he can hire. That's right. The more people he can hire, the, the more we don't have to worry about, oh, geez, DC and Marvel won't hire the great writers and artists. Oh, totally. No, totally. Another company do yeah, totally, totally. I Yeah, I wish him nothing but success. So that's good news, and thank you for that. Now, speaking of independent comics, Mike Barron's Thin Blue Line comic has shipped. Um, we will do it next week, just in weekly comics. It's a it's a graphic novel, Rich. Um, I'll, I'll send you a copy, and it's basically it was inspired, not maybe not inspired by, it, but kind of like coming out of the remember the riots in Chaz City and the you know the anti police riots and all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the story of two policemen um, who are fighting against the riders and stuff. And uh, I believe the artist—I mean, Mike obviously writes it—and the artist is a uh, is a cop actually and it looks pretty good and so i backed it on kickstarter and um i got my copy like last night so thin blue line um check it out uh mike barron you know two-time eisner award winner uh he wrote plenty of punisher he wrote star wars he's written plenty of stuff that make people stand up and pay attention and uh, nexus as well badger Plenty of hits, and yeah, this thin blue line thing. I'm looking so forward to reading it, man. I, I'm I'm just ready for this shit, you know. Uh, and I was talking to Mike, and I said, "Well, we'll do it on the show next week." Um, and I he mentioned his new campaign is going to be called Private American. Um, it's kind of a covert black ops um, sort of scenario uh, going on. It's it, it's not out yet uh, in terms of like the. I'll, I'll read out the description which he sent me last night. Um, it's not, you know, it's not available as Kickstartering yet, but it will be coming, and I'll definitely promote it on the show when it comes out. But this thin blue line, Rich, I mean, this, this is kind of where it's at, if you know what I mean, Rich. Like, you know, how many times have I said to you, with these riders, the only language they understand is um, you've got to crush them, you know, and um, you've got to go hard against them, and you've got to use riot foam, you've got to use shotguns, um, etc. Now, private American, uh, Americans. America's southern border has become a war zone, overrun with lawless coyotes flowing across the Rio Grande, bringing in weapons, smuggling illegal drugs, and trafficking sex slaves. Border patrol agents are overwhelmed and powerless, and the U.S. government won't help. In fact, they seem to be encouraging it. One man is taking matters into his own hands, private American. So that's um, that's Mike's next campaign, and it looks like brilliant artwork as well. So... I am I am ready to fucking roll. Doesn't this sound like my cup of tea, Rich? Definitely does. It makes it. It also sounds like it make for a very interesting uh, show as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, well, I, Mike is honestly, I, like he he, I don't know if he's underrated, but he's just not quite given the spotlight that he deserves. He really is a good writer with so many good concepts, and has the track record to back it up. Like you know. And well, I mean, Dave, to be yeah. fair, I mean, really, at the industry really now only cares about legends when they did. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, fuck that. You know, like, I, I'm more than happy to celebrate them while they were alive. I don't, they don't need to be in the ground before I promote them. 
uh, if I believe in it, you know. And, like, Mike's work has given me a lot of pleasure over the years. Uh, he's a lovely guy as well, may I also mention. Um, super nice guy, super funny as well. Um, real sense of humour on Mike Barron. And, yeah, he just writes good stuff. And um, I'm really looking forward to the Thin Blue Line. I really – I was pestering Mike, like, oh, where's the digital books? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, Jesus Christ, Dave, here it is. Um, yeah, but no, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, uh, turning to some news, Richard, uh, San Diego Comic Con is this weekend, I believe. Now, Henry Cavill's Superman return is reportedly going to be announced during the star's appearance at the San Diego Comic Con as part of the Warner Brothers and DC Films Hall H panel. Uh, blah, blah, blah. We all know he played Clark Kent, blah, blah, blah. If you don't know that, you're listening to the wrong show. Now, Richard, do you think there's obviously been a lot of viewers loving Henry Cavill's Superman? The studio controlling it, Warners have definitely been a bit ambiguous in how they're going to treat it. He has them inside as Superman since Justice League. Do you think by the end of this weekend we'll have an announcement of a new Superman movie or something like that with Henry Cavill starring? Uh, I'm sure there'll be some announcement. It won't mean anything, but there'll be an announcement. What do you mean by that? They don't. They still don't know what the fuck they do. Oh, I think if they're bothering to announce Henry Cavill as a Superman movie, it'll happen. I'll, I'll, I'll happily put a lunch on that. Happily, if they announce it, it will be it will be happening. I think that they will they will have learned their lesson. They'll just say all you have to say is Superman movie coming in twenty twenty four. That's it. You know, it'll be coming twenty twenty four. Why not? It gives them a whole year to do it. No, I reckon it'll be 2025 okay. earliest. But are you thinking it's going to happen or are you thinking this is just a fantasy playing no, out in our minds? I don't know. Honestly, I I don't even know if Warner Brothers knows what they want or what they're doing, honestly. Wow. Cynicism, Rich. You're becoming like me. Cynicism. cynicism. Really, I mean, they've really fucked the... The, the DC unit, like, you know... Yeah, they have screwed around a lot. I yeah, I mean, it's almost like you wonder who's running the thing or, you know... Is anyone running it? I almost... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm like... <laughs> I don't have a lot of confidence in... I mean, look, I'm confident when, uh, in Marvel when they say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Mm. I don't have any confidence it'll be good, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 I've got confidence it'll happen. The yeah, problem with yeah. Warner Brothers, I don't have confidence that even anything they plan in will happen, so... No, no, well, it's... I mean... God, it's a long list of stuff that they've announced that just has come to nothing. Even up until the Aquaman, remember Aquaman spin-off, the Trench movie, which sounded fucking terrible. Yeah. Like you know, like they just, they just, they seem to announce shit without even kind of clearing it with the people who are going to be like directing oh, it. Oh yeah, like, I mean, just... they've ne- I mean, Nightwing. What happened, to Nightwing? That was supposed to be a movie that was coming out. It's true. After Justice League. So, you know, as I said, like. Uh... Do I believe they'll announce something? Yes. Do I believe that'll end up being the final thing? Maybe not. I think with Superman, they probably can be trusted. If they announce Superman with Henry Cavill, I do believe that will happen because that is such a linchpin if you're going to bother to announce it. And that isn't Nightwing. Like, Nightwing is very peripheral. The Aquaman spinoff is very peripheral. Uh, Superman with Henry Cavill, you know... Anyway, I, I could be being an optimist. I hope it happens. I actually don't think Henry Cavill has had a fair shake, I mean, frankly. I hope know? it happens as long as they give me a proper Superman movie. I don't sure. I, I don't want another Man of Steel. No, neither do I. That was quite boring. And it's no offence to Henry Cavill. He, he's not the problem. You know, he, he I think he's a good actor, looks good, looks the part, likes the character, obviously. 
Um, he just hasn't had any, like, hardly any good material to work with. Like, no one could make that work. You know what I mean? Um, well, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I got, I, I like Henry Cavill. I've enjoyed movies he's been in. If they're going to make a, a new Superman, I'd maybe prefer that they go, they, they reboot and go for a younger guy. Really? Why? Henry Cavill's as big now as he's ever been. Yeah, but again, the problem with Henry Cavill is, yes, he is big now. He's doing so many things. Um, and he's also getting older. I'd kind of, I'd, I'd like to get... Dude, he's in his prime, man. He could do 10 more years easily. Yeah, but 10, uh, but 10 years might only get you, like, two movies maybe, like... Yeah, well, I mean, how many do you need? I mean, it's not Batman. Did you hear that, Rich? I said, it's not Batman. We don't need that much. Like, you know, two or three might be enough. <laughs> Batman. I don't know. I, I, You know what? Again, as I said, I'd probably prefer that they just do away with the stink and, and just, like, start over, honestly. Well, I hope they go with Henry, but you, but there, I do understand what you're saying there. There is definitely uh, that. I don't know what they've done with it. I mean, it was boring as fuck, but... They've kind of rebooted the Batman again. Yeah, it was dull. Like just, just reboot the Superman. Like just, just move on. Yeah. And say right. Let's do it properly now. Yeah, yeah. There were there were things I liked in the Batman, but it was dull. Um, but I agree, they have moved the train on kind of thing. So we're not worrying about. It. Even though Affleck's going to turn up in the Flash, which ironically is our next news item, um, we're not expecting another Ben Affleck Batman movie kind of thing. Now, Ezra Miller. Our favourite on the show, Rich. Um, sadly, no news of his shenanigans. He, geez, staying low. Why can't why can't we get a bounty hunter to drag this fucker to justice? You know, um, what have they, have they put a warrant out for it? Well, why not? Like we know that this guy's committing crimes, brandishing weapons at, at children, etc. I'm just saying, my point is a bounty hunter can't do anything unless they've issued a warrant on him, I suppose. Well, I don't know if they have. I, I, I kind of get the feeling. The assaults in Hawaii? Where is he, man? I just want someone to drag him drag him in and dump him at the station and go, we found this fucker. <laughs> you know? And I've said it before, I, I, and I'll say it again on the show. If found guilty by a court of law, I wouldn't mind marching him out to a firing squad. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, you were against it, Rich, from memory? A firing squad? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, man. Like, if we had a bit more justice like that, you know, I think there'd be a lot less crime. A bit of street justice, man. That's not even street justice. That's official justice because he's been found guilty. See what? If people knew with some, some of the shit that goes down out there, if they knew they were facing a firing squad, you would see a lot less crime. I'm telling you now, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm... I'm just such a, a, a bleeding heart uh, liberal. I believe that people, if if they if they mean it, should get a second chance. Yeah, well, fuck them. I mean, like, this guy's had more than a second chance. He's had a third chance and a fourth chance, and he's on his fucking fifth chance. He's throwing chairs at people. He's brandishing weapons. Um, he's well, probably... That, well, no, that's not what I mean by chance. I mean, when they come out and say, yes, I was wrong, I want to change that. He hasn't said that. so I don't want that. Fuck that. Like, I just want... Still, I, technically on his first... Yeah. I want instant justice, man. You know what I mean? Like, the wheels of justice turn quickly for me. And um, I, it's all this... Basically, whenever I read some judge read, I get pretty dangerous, in my opinions. Some would say a little authoritarian in my leanings. Anyway, the news is that Ezra Miller is apparently out as Flash, regardless of what happens with the Flash movie. So after the Flash movie finally fucking screens, it has been feels like it's been a decade in the making, um, he is definitely out of, out of that role. 
So well, the funny thing is, I heard apparently. So the, his movie and the bat. There's a Batgirl movie. Yes, but apparently the Batgirl movie takes place after his movie, but it's coming out before his movie because of how long it's taken. All this shit. Well, it's just so fucking hilarious that like this jerk off of an actor who basically is a nobody to me. Uh, I mean, outside of the Flash, he was in like a bit of. Um, the Fantastic Beast, but it's not like he's got this huge, you know, sort of resume of impressive movies, and yet he's caused all these problems, and his movie's been so delayed because of all these fuck-ups. Um, I mean, clearly the guy, I mean, you've pointed to it before, Rich, you've said, I, I've said he's got heavy drug issues, and you've even said psychological. Um, yeah, I mean, I... Got problems, that's for sure. He definitely got problems. Yeah, I mean, listeners may th- think I'm lacking in sympathy, but I, I'd like to just lock him up. He's too, he's too dangerous, man. He's too fucking well, dangerous. He's walking around. Hey, at least you've taken a step back from firing squad and, <laughs> and, and, and only, lock him up. So only, we went the right direction, at least. Uh, only due to societal pushback against my firing squad idea. I would, if I had my preference, it would be the firing squad. Um, for sure. Like, if I was in charge of the sentencing, it would be firing squad. But I get the feeling that the flavour of the times is they'd rather lock this little fucking, you know, little little pet up and, like, feed him and, you know, he's a drain on society then. But anyway, um, so he's out of flash. Well, I, I look, I'm looking forward to the movie only because of Affleck and um, Michael Keaton. I don't actually even like Ezra Miller as Flash. Outside of all these scandals, I don't actually like his performance as Flash. That's part of my problem. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Now, I have a recommendation. So, Richard, I have a show recommendation from myself and Michelle, and this comes from Ed Brubaker in his newsletter. Uh, it's called Lazarus Project. It's a UK show, uh, kind of an action time travel thriller, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, I'll give you the basic pitch because the pitch is a large, huge part of the show. So, basically... It's set now, okay, and this guy, this guy is watching on the... Uh, it's kind of like COVID, if COVID went totally unchecked and became kind of like killing everyone, okay? So he, he's going through... He's in a relationship with this girl. Uh, he's an app developer, and then basically what happens is he his app gets greenlit, and, you know, he's, um you know, making lots of money and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, this this virus, sort of similar to a flu COVID thing, is wiping out like the world basically, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, until literally it's gone from being like a minor thing to like the world is fucked, like the virus has gone unchecked, and then it all gets basically reset, and he wakes up again, and it's like a year before uh, where he was with his girlfriend, like when he was about to go for the interview to get the bank loan for his app. And um, it's like, well, like he has all these memories of this year that just went through with all this stuff. And so anyway, um, he got, he's really disorientated because like he's got, you know, he's got like deja vu and stuff and he's got to go and do the adverse, do the interview with the bank, blah, blah, blah. He kind of bails on the interview because he's so out of it. And, then instead of working on his app, he's he's really getting kind of obsessed with what's going on around him. And um, meanwhile, the virus is getting, again, worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And anyway, um, I forget exactly what happens, but he gets brought into this project 
these someone knocks on his door and basically explains what's happening and saying, Yeah, you you have lived this before. And it's the Lazarus Project, and there are this team, okay, that uh, when the world apparently since like about like nineteen sixty three or something, the world's actually ended like about forty times. But what they do is they're trying to stop it happening. So they're trying to develop a cure for this virus, which is wiping out all these people. They're trying to stop like a nuclear incident happening that's going to trigger a nuclear war. And they work on all these different things. And then if one of those events actually goes to like an extinction level event, they've got a that so far we haven't seen exactly what it is, but I assume some kind of machine that turns everything back to the first of July from the year before. And so then they're working on it again. So they they're always trying to work on stuff that even if they can't stop it they're trying to work on you know the old strategy of like if a butterfly flies one way it causes like a wave which could cause an earthquake or you know whatever you know that kind of the butterfly theory kind of stuff so they're always looking at if if they fail to stop like a terrorist nuclear incident from really sparking up they're really examining all the bits and pieces whereas if we can kill this guy on that day and stop him meeting this other guy then the chain gets broken and they'll nullify that happening and they'll stop the extinction event. And the whole goal is it goes from the 1st of July every year. So if you get through a full year and they don't have to reset it, well, then it goes from the next year. So, for example, this year, starting in 1st of July 2022, we're only just starting into the year. And let's let's say, let's assume that no nothing massively happens. Let's say Putin doesn't create like a, you know, crazy world war, blah, 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 or another virus doesn't wipe us out. At the next, the 1st of July, 2023, we'll, we'll start afresh. But if, say, Putin caused, like by Christmas, some massive incident that triggered a huge global nuclear war and we were fucked, they would push the clock back and we would be back at July 1, 2022. With the knowledge, with this team and this guy has the knowledge of what went on before. The normal humanity doesn't remember, but no. there certain people uh, do. Unless something happens at the end of June and then it clicks over and then they can't go back to effects. It, which oh, is yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, and, of course, all this kind of stuff happens in the show. So stuff like um, this one girl, uh, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of stuff around that. So there's a lot of flashbacks. They sort of show each member of the team, you know, because some of them naturally have the gift to remember, which is this guy, the lead guy in the show and one other guy in the team. Other people have sort of like an injection thing, which, which you know, helps them remember, and it kind of comes in like a wave. So what can happen is you could be killed. So I could be killed in August, stopping some terrorists, and then down the track, say in September, the world's fucked and they have to reset. Well, I'm brought back to life at the 1st of July, despite the fact that I died in September. But if I died in September, this and this happens, so let's say I we try to stop some terrorists, I got shot and killed, we stopped the terrorists, the World War didn't happen, come July 1 the next year, it would roll over and I would stay dead because we haven't reset time, basically. So stuff like that happens. All kinds of crazy shit happens. It's actually a pretty good show. Like, the concept is interesting and the execution is well done. And uh, I wouldn't have known about it because I don't generally watch a lot of UK stuff, although I do like it and I should watch more. Ed Brubaker recommended on his newsletter last week and I just, I mean, I generally trust what Ed's saying in terms of his shows. He's pretty, he's not a guy who recommends like a ton of stuff. And, uh, and I just thought, well, sounds interesting. And, um, yeah, I got hold of it. It's only eight episodes. We've watched seven so far. And, yeah, I'd give it, like, it's top marks. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good stuff. 
Um, so I think listeners may enjoy it. Like people who like comic books, uh, kind of like Warren Ellisy comic books, Ed Brubaker comic books, that kind of thriller stuff, um, smart thriller stuff. I guess you could say. I think would enjoy it. It's 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 pretty good, and it's well acted, and it's well cast, and everything. There's no, no problems from that standpoint. So, I don't know about you, Rich. I, you're hard to predict whether you'll like something or not. Very hard to predict. Mm, very. I like to keep it that way. Keep everyone guessing. But do you like the description of what I just told you? Yeah, it sounds alright. Oh Jesus! Well, typical, like typical. I go through all that effort to remember all that stuff. It's very hard for you to remember all those details and then it's just like, yeah, no, it's not Hogan's Heroes, you know. <laughs> it's not Chips. I didn't say no. I just said... Okay, well, check it. Well, do yourself a favour. Check out an episode. Give it give it two episodes and see if you like it. And then if you don't like it after two, you won't like it kind of thing, you know. it's, it's uh, I'll give it one episode. Oh, Jesus. It's gone. it's gone, I'm sorry. Well, you're, you're, you're the one missing out. Is, you know, like, that's the thing. If you turn your back on this, you're missing out. You're, you're the one missing out. And I said to... a recommendation by Ed Brubaker. Come on, man. It's not the fucking end of the world. Yeah. Well, ironically, Ed Brubaker, man, he rarely misses, man. Rarely fucking misses. He hits dead centre more times than not. And, um, you know, I generally go with Ed Brubaker on things. I've, I've always been a bit of a Brubaker, you know, backer over the years. Now, we have a scandal, Richard. Are you ready for this scandal? Sesame. I don't think I'm ready for any scandals, mate. Sesame Park, which is a Sesame Street, uh, like theme park, I believe in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a scandal that some of the Muppets are ignoring the black kids in the park. Where they now, whether this is true or not, is hard to determine from the video because I do understand when the mascots are walking around, it's hard to see every kid, and they, they can't stop at every single child. But there, there were people online accusing them of ignoring young black children uh, in preference of the white children. Now, whether this is true or not, I don't know. Um, are you familiar, I think, with Rosalita as one of the Sesame Street characters? Um, Rosalita is in trouble, uh, real trouble. Um, what do you think of this, Rich? Do you think some of it could be they just didn't see the children due to the, you know, you know how hard it is when you're in these mascot outfits. It's not easy. It sounds pathetic, honestly. Um, <laughs> like seriously, um, you know. I mean, if you want to, if you want to accuse one person of being racist, I mean, uh, good luck to you. But you're trying to, you're trying to say that every single fucking person that controls a muppet in that fucking park is racist and ignores black people. It's like, okay, sure, sure, I believe. I mean, uh, let's look at Rosalita. Rosalita is a turquoise bilingual monster who first appeared on Sesame Street in 1991. Hailing from Mexico, um, her full name is Rosalita, and I can't even pronounce the rest, La Monstrada de la Vacuas. She is five years old and celebrates her birthday on December 7. Now, seems like Rosalita's copying a lot of the flack. A lot of the flack. And there was some pretty amusing comments saying, Rosalita's about to lose a job. <laughs> like, do, uh, are we, is it just Rosalita, do you think? Is this, is this kind of like a... Is this a character trait of Rosalita previously unknown, or is this a rogue guy in a suit, or is this just a, a coincidence? Because I couldn't tell from the video, Rich. We're going to have to call you in as a video referee, man. Like, where are you on it? I mean, what can we do about this? I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, 
Is there video of, of them yes, there's only video. ignoring these? No, well, no there's video, but it's not as damning as the allegation. Like, the video is, like, they're on a parade, so they can't stop at every kid. I'm sorry, parents, but, like, they can only do a limited amount of meet and greets. So basically what happened was it looks worse than what it is, I think. I, I think some, there's no peripheral vision, so he can't see a kid beside him who's this little black kid who went out sort of to get a hug, didn't get one. We've all seen this, like the tears flow, etc. A white kid kind of came, crushed into a Rosalita, and she hugged her. And then it's like, is she ignoring the black kids? And there was some people, there was quite a few witnesses saying this is a pattern. So this is the thing. There was some speculation that this may be a racial thing. But I don't know how believable these witnesses are. We'd have to put them under, like, interrogation almost, you know? Rosalita and the witnesses to determine. Right now I've got video footage that's inconclusive. Uh, I, I, it's very doubtful. I mean, the, the issue that I have with a story like this, mm -hmm. unless this is this person's very first day on the job yeah, and they've never interacted with any kid and they've decided, right, I'm going to ignore all black kids. <laughs> There's no ways that the, the, the person in that costume doing that job would not have been pulled on this before if they were a long-time employee. Yeah. Well, there was, allegations. there was allegations. There was allegations. Brand before. new person in their suit. It's their first day on the job and they're racist and they're ignoring black kids. Okay, maybe I can <laughs> see that. But if this is a person who's been doing this job for a while, yeah, then maybe it's just they didn't see them. You know what I mean? They're in a suit. You can barely see out the eyes. Maybe yeah. someone, something else got their attention that they were looking at in front of them. They're also on a schedule. They're in a parade. They're in a parade. Like, yeah. But here's my philosophy. I always attribute things to sort of like ignorance and stupidity than like malice. Really? Right? Really? Like, because the chances of it being What about a murderer? Malice, what about a murderer? A murderer isn't doing it out of malice. Like a serial killer. But not all murders are out of malice either, Dave. What about a serial killer? Like, you know, it's someone malice? could kill someone, not murder them. In they the could kill the someone. It doesn't mean it's an act of malice. Sure. But I'm saying... I'm, yeah. I'm not saying nothing is malice, Dave. I'm saying if I don't know the situation, I right. don't attribute things okay. to malice. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, you're looking on the bright side kind of thing. You're, 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 you're I, the bright uh, side. I don't know yeah. the full story. I'm not there. I'm not the person. I can't. I'm not going to say something's racism because how do you prove it? Should we track down Rosalita? Could we get Rosalita on the show? You know, Rosalita's not a real person. Eh? <laughs> She's a long-standing muppet. Where's Elmo? Elmo's, Elmo's sneaked clear of this scandal. Elmo was nowhere to be seen. It's Bert was was accused. Bert was accused of slapping a child. <laughs> there was a there was an incident at this at this um, theme park where allegedly Bert Bert slapped a child, and and the mother was was wanting apology. She wasn't getting any. There was stone cold silence from Sesame Street on this topic, but. There was allegations that Bert slapped a child. Um, maybe Bert was in character. He's kind of a grump, uh, old Bert, you know. If I'm if, if I remembering my Sesame Street, remember Bert, man? He was always like the grumpy one, highly strung. I don't know. I just, I don't think, I don't think, you know. <sighs> I don't know. I don't attribute things to stuff you can't prove. Well, if, like, if, if Bert has slapped a child, what do you say to that? If you saw it happen? Are you, like, that's just Bert play acting, like it's a gentle slap? Or what if it was a bit harder? 
Where, where are you on it now? I don't know. I mean, again, I'd have to try and find out. Did the kid like spit in his face? Did the kid like yeah, kick him in the ball? The, I don't know. But like, even if that, even if you did that, even you, if that happens all the time. When you see like a ten-second video or a fifteen-second video, there's minutes of that video missing. Like sure. you have no context. We need to get Rosalita on the show. We need we need to get the mascot on the show to defend her position. I'm going to reach out to the theme park and say, would you like to have a statement? We've, we're getting questions being raised in Sydney, Australia about this now. You know, I take my Muppet stuff very seriously. I'd love to get them on the show, man. Like, could you do it? In, I, I'd be like, could you do it in character as Rosalita? The denial? Do you think they'd do it? <laughs> no, I love black kids. Now, if they're, if they're clever... Basically, I'm telling the mascots, if you see a black child, bend over backwards for them now. Like, do huge hugs, you know, get, get a lot of interracial kind of, like, pictures and stuff. You've really got to play the black card now. Would you agree with me, Rich? Oh, that, uh, yeah. Everyone plays, again, you, everyone plays the sexism, the, 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 the racism card, the anything hmm. card. If I, While you were talking there, I just watched the, the 10. The video. Second video, damning, damning, or not? And no, you can clearly see <laughs> that they're talking to someone uh, like uh, taller than the kids behind them. Say no, <laughs> and then walk away. I don't think they. I don't think she actually saw the kids. Right. Yeah. I think someone was either yelling something, and you can see her saying no yeah. to someone behind the kids. Yeah, and then she goes no, and then she walks away. I think. I don't know. Maybe someone was yelling something at her or asking. Yeah. And she was busy answering that person that didn't realise... Maybe yeah, an older kid's yelling out, eat shit, Rosalita, something like that. I don't know, abuse, that's my know. point. I'm looking at that, and it's not like she looks at those kids and goes, no, and yeah. walks away. Yeah. She's looking past them, above them, above mm. their heads, past them, and saying to someone, no. Well, like, one one of the black children is definitely on the side, and I think out of the peripheral vision of someone in that suit. I don't know how these suits are, but I doubt yeah. you've got like, heaps Does of peripheral. Suck? Yes. Is it, um, is it suck for your kids that they were like, oh, my God, and they didn't get the hug? Of course it sucks. But that's, dude, Jesus Christ, like, that's every fucking trying fair. To, trying to blame it on stuff that is that, yeah. not there. That's every I mean? fair, like, though. That's every fair of these kind of things. There's always some kids that are going to get disappointed that don't get the, the ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, you, know, I mean that, you could stand in a queue to try and get an autograph at a red carpet thing or whatever, and you don't get it because there's hundreds of other people. Like And, like, the, your mascots right? have got to kind of, like, your mascots are always playing up to a few of the kids and making a big deal. Not every single kid can be in on the joke. It's yeah, just the way I mean, it you works. Got, you've got people screaming at them. You've got kids screaming at them. You've got music going on. <laughs> they're in this big fucking suit. Like, I'm sorry. Give the Cut the person some slack and just say, mm. you know, it sucks. My kids are very disappointed. I, I, I'm sure it was nothing more than a misunderstanding. I'm sure... They did, you know what I mean? Like, why sure. do we automatically go to like, oh my god, that person didn't, you know, ignore my kids? They're the worst fucking person. Well, on the and planet. they played the, the they played the race. They played the, the race card. They played the race card. Um, so Richard Sesame Street apologist, you, you you're batting for the defense. Oh, so am I. I'm just saying it's not. It's definitely not as damning as what people are making it out. It's not like no. clear cut fucking. Oh my god, pure racism caught on tape. Question for you, Rosalita: uh, Will she be on Sesame Street next week, or is she going to get cancelled? I'm sure Rosalita, seeing being in a, a, a fake character, will be fine. <laughs> All right. Well, sadly, uh, the 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 person in the suit may be a scapegoat and just go. Listen, <laughs> we know you didn't do it on purpose, but fuck it, we're fine. You're anyway because it'll make us look good. You, have you noticed Elmo silent? 
Nowhere to be seen on this issue. Um, Rosalita, as always, they've gone the Hispanic scapegoat. You know what I mean? They've all they've thrown Rosalita to the wolves. Now, um, Heat Two. I'd love to know who's in the suit. Wouldn't it be funny if there was an <laughs> actual black, guy. black person? In it the would suit? be actually. <laughs> that would be no. That would be their dream. They haul out some guy and go. He was in the suit. Like, They'd be like, oh, we looked into the matter, and the person in the suit was actually a black person. So we can rule out racism. <laughs> <laughs> um, Heat Two is developing into a very large movie, says Michael Mann. He wrote a book, Heat Two. Uh, I'm not sure if the book's come out yet. It's a prequel as well as a sequel, Rich. Um, do you want to see more heat? Are you, saying it's a, are you saying it's a pre-sequel? Yeah, it is. So it's a prequel, but also a sequel to the events of Heat. Yeah, pre-sequel. Pre-sequel. So, Rich, looking forward to it. Heat's one of my all-time favourite favorite movies of all time. It's in my top five movies. I love Heat. Uh, Pacino did survive. Spoilers, De Niro didn't. Uh, but you could definitely do scenes. W- would you think they'd use the, the ageing technology they used in The Irishman, or do you think they'd just get recasts? Um, you know, I I don't know, man. I don't even know why this is a thing. Maybe there's a good story. Behind I fucking it, I need hope. it. I fucking need it, man. For me, um, the action is the juice. I need this like, shit badly. Watch the movie again, man. There I've watched it a thousand think. times. I, I love that movie so much, man. Nothing yeah, well, you can't. The Megas the movie is not going to live up to that first movie because literally all the actors are too old or too dead. Well, no, they're not dead. Pacino's alive. De Niro's alive. Val Kilmer's technically alive. Um, Tom Sizemore is alive and out of prison, so that's two pluses to him. Um, well, he's dead to Hollywood. He's dead to <laughs> Michael Madsen? Did Michael Madsen die, or is he alive? Uh, I think they all died. Didn't all the criminals die? No, did Michael Mad? Is a real Michael Madsen actor alive? I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Val Kilmer survived. He was injured, but he survived at the end. Remember, remember. Yeah, uh, he's not. He's not going to be in any condition to do the uh, pre-sequel. Well, maybe they could use the technology. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're using a lot of fucking technology, anti-aging oh, uh, voice so they're, technology. They're aging, but they're not going to be able to help him talk. <laughs> Imagine this: yeah, Val Kilmer is in it, anti-aging and with artificial voice. It's like at which point is he? He's going to have to have artificial mouth and lips and everything because he can't even. He can barely open his mouth. So. Can he not open his mouth? Really? No, he, he. Yeah, he can barely open his mouth to talk. How does he drink and breathe? Through his you nose. Breathe through your nose, Dave. Like, yeah, but how does he eat? Uh, he probably has to eat very soft food or, or stuff and all that. I imagine he's not chomping on burgers or steaks. Jesus. Man, imagine having all that cash and having all those problems. You know? Yeah, I'm surprised he, he couldn't. Uh, be, be thankful that you've got that cash if you're dealing with all those problems. That's true. Very good point, Rich. Very good point, Richard. Sometimes you hit it on the money, man. Sometimes you hit it on the fucking cash. You won the fucking cash this week with that comment because you could have those problems and not the cash. Yeah. You could be fucking living under a bridge with a needle in your arm kind of thing. You know, like, what's the point? Not me personally, but yes, I get your point. Just in general, like, you know, like one of life's losers kind of thing. Anyway, Heat 2, I'm looking forward to it. No, I don't think it's going to... I don't think you can... You, you can't top the original. Also, Pacino and De Niro in the peak then. They're not in the peak now. I'm sorry. I love Pacino, but he's not in peak form now. He's even... He's... He, you know, uh, come on. He's like 80. He's dating some 30-year-old whore, you know. Um, and he's, 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 he is. Down there, no, he is. Uh, fuck it. I'll call it like, like it is, man. That's exactly what she is. She's in it for the cash. That's what... You know, when so when they're when, when they're in it for the cash only, mate. You know, that's it. 
do you think uh, do you think Al Pacino cares? No, do I don't think, think he cares at all. Do you think that he's tricked himself into saying, "Well, she's definitely in for my looks"? <laughs> no, I don't think he cares. But oh, look, I'm making a value judgment. I, I can do it. It's my show. Um, De Niro, uh, still a good actor, but definitely not the actor he was in '95 when they did Heat. Um, I don't know, man. Like mm, maybe with the technology, like they did in The Irishman, you could do some good prequel scenes. But maybe they'll just recast. Do you, would you prefer they just no, recast? They're gonna, well, they're going to have to recast. Like they're they're, they're going to have. Why? To. That's gonna, could get, that's going to be the cheapest. That's going to be cheapest, the cheapest yeah. route. It would be the cheapest route. Just get a young guy. But then you're doing a Pacino impersonation. You know who? Who? No, you're not going to. Yeah, you you have to make it your own. You're not going to be able to do it. I'm on the downside of a bad marriage. My third. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps me on the edge where I gotta be. I love that movie so much. It's so classic. Uh, it, it's a tough one to top even in terms of script because it's got a killer script with killer scenes. Um, yeah, Heat Two. Do you think it'll ever come to cinemas, or is this going to be a fantasy of Michael Mann, like a cocaine fantasy? Oh, oh I don't know. Who knows? Honestly, yeah. Well. You know, Rich, we're paying you the big dollars. We expect a bit more than just who knows. That's not, well, that's not really good. I do don't know. I mean, there's so many, there's so many different factors in it now. Like, <laughs> you know, you've got you've got critics who hate anything that is like got lots of guns in it. He gives a uh, fuck about them. I couldn't care less. No, no, I'm, I'm giving you one aspect of it. Yeah, you've got streaming services that will want to do things on the cheap. Mm. If they if they do that. If you've got a studio, they're going to be like, yeah, but it's got, no, you know, we're going to get none of the big names mm. because of, you know. Some people were saying, Pacino and, was saying he wants the guy from June, Timothy Shamalade, or whatever his name is, to, to play him. Apparently, Pacino himself said that. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> well, he is our Pacino, man. He's I mean, a major he doesn't star. get to have a say, but good for him. Well, maybe he will if he's playing the older but Pacino could play the older Pacino cop. Pacino went and saw the movie and he's like, oh my God, that kid's amazing. He's like me. I want to see him in the movie. He played me. Like, who gives a shit? Seriously. I care because it's Al Pacino. No, get this, Rich. I'm going to pitch this to you right now and, and get ready for this. Uh, if they decide the anti-aging technologies, you know, because Pacino's so old and feeble now. So they do Pacino, maybe not playing his current real age, but playing like late 60s as himself with makeup on and then they if they're doing you know 20 years old they could cast this young guy this guy from june kind of doing a bit but of a pacino the, impersonation the, we don't know the book it depends is the book like a sequel that takes place it's only a prequel like a after the it's first book? It, so. i think the i don't think the book's out but i believe it's quite a long way back the prequel kind of thing and then there's a sequel portion as well yes but that's yes but my question was the mm. sequel portion you're assuming that oh, 20 yeah. years later, that could just be five years. Yeah, I've got no idea. Well, if it's five years, they're in trouble because Pacino exactly. looks a hell of a lot older than he looks in um, yeah, Heat. Exactly right. You know, um, I don't know. It, it's interesting. But but apparently, Michael Mann, who's on a huge career renaissance with things like Tokyo Vice and stuff, is uh, really talking it up. Um, and it could, it oh, could, it could well, happen. Sometimes you've got to speak things into existence. Well, yeah, that's it. Now, a new Justice League report is a bad look for Zack Snyder. An investigation from Rolling Stone has found Zack Snyder to be far more culpable in the Justice League Snyder Cut harassment than previously believed. And uh, allegedly, he had some words to say to Jeff Johns. He said, I will destroy you. That was a quote. 
allegedly from, Ooh, from Zach scary. Snyder. Yeah, I know. Wowee. He's playing. But what was the big scandal with Jeff Johnson? It, was, it wasn't that much of a scandal. It was like, it never seemed to be, it, there was a lot of like hushed tones, but it was like, oh, that's right. They were trying to allege that some chick he'd spoken to on the internet and there was some racial component as well, I believe. Um, but it, oh, it, it all stemmed from Ray Fisher saying that Jeff right. Johns was racist. I forgot that it was Ray Fisher, yeah. But they never really pinned because him on anything. While you know? most of them all complained about... Um, Joss Whedon. Whedon. Only Ray Fisher complained about Jeff Johns. Mm. Now, that said, though, they never really pinned him on anything... Like, you know, you, know, you know, they never really did the full gotcha on Jeff Johns. They tried to. They definitely alleged a lot of things. But I never got the sense that they got to – they didn't get the actual text messages or whatever it was that they were going on about. So what do you think about this, Rich? Zack Snyder does seem to be a bit of a loose cannon. Um, certainly a man with nothing to lose, it felt like, when he was dealing with, um, dealing with Warners. What do you say? I don't know. What am I supposed to say? What are they accusing him of? Uh, sort of like targeting the harassment. You know, the release of the Snyder's Cut stuff, sort of like he was a key figure in it, blah, 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 that kind of stuff, you know. I don't know. Is that is that harassment, is it? Yeah, I think those guys were getting fairly, as you would say, toxic. So I think there was an element of toxicity to their uh, campaign. I didn't closely follow so it, but, you know. Did they, did they show up at people's addresses and places know. of work and... <laughs> <laughs> like wake up and say have them over their bed, you know, over their bed. Like, I mean, what I what, what are we talking about harassing that? There were people online saying, give me the Snyder uh, Cut. I, I, don't, I don't know what they were doing. But like turning up at the head of the studio <laughs> with like, like a cow head in his bed and saying, release the Snyder yeah, was, was he probably the head of that? Of course he was. Yeah. Um, and it's I believe figure. he burned quite a few people after that because mm. there was people that he used mm. To help push the Snyder Cut, and once the Snyder Cut come came out, he was just like, "Oh no, those people are right wing trolls. They, the racist people. I'm not with them. Yeah, yeah. They, the bad crowd. And I remember that that upset quite a lot of people who have a social. Oh right, yeah. Like, I got you. So he kind of used them for their for their sort of like um. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I I wouldn't count the as much as I wish it never happened. Like I could have done without the Zack Snyder Cut, honestly. Um. Mm. I, I wouldn't ca- I wouldn't classify it as harassment. Yeah, okay. Uh, do, like, I mean, I don't know. No, like it was not it unless, you're, like not a unless you're a thing. pussy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think the little like, pussy cats out there were a bit offended, but they're offended by everything. So I mean, I'm not too worried about them. Like, but I do agree that he probably did help orchestrate. I'm sure he was a linchpin man, and you know, like he. But how different is what he did, which is he he kind of like lit the groundswell. Then then he probably saw it getting momentum, and then he. You know, he started getting his pals I, to retweet. He definitely didn't start it, but he definitely went. Oh, hang on, I could, uh, I could use this. This is. Uh, I, I'm going to put something out there. I'm going to put something out there. Now you know how much I love Deadpool, and I'm so thankful for the Deadpool movies. But when Ryan Reynolds did the same thing, where he leaked that footage, and then he, he for years was building a campaign about Deadpool and it was successful. Mm. I mean, it's just like it's not a bad thing. I'm saying he was really influential, and it was a success. Really, all Zack Snyder's done is a similar thing. He's ignited a fan base. He's got interest going to a point where some of the stars were retweeting it, and then Warners have gone, oh, you know what, there's some money to be made here, you know, and we'll do it. Fuck it, why not? We've got the footage, let him do his fucking cut, you know, and and then we can package it and we can make some money and we can blah, 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 do this and that, sell it to streamers, and before you know it, suddenly they've got 
uh, a product. I mean, it's not that different what he's done. He's done a, a different method uh, and probably a more toxic kind of like fan base, but same sort of thing where you use the 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 lead talent, which is him, um, sort of mobilises a fan base and then, you know, keeps stoking the fires and until the studio actually goes, <laughs> you know what, there's a market, you know? It's so, it's so I hate, I cannot be honest with you, I hate that word toxic because oh, well, it's well. like, no, 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 because everyone's like, oh, that's I have the best fandom when they love what you're doing mm. and then when they hate what you're doing, then they're toxic because they hate what I'm doing. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. uh, it's no, fan is, I've mm. always said this, fan is short for fanatic. Sure. Good that's or true. bad, that's they true. are fanatical. Like it's that's what you are, that's what you're asking for. Yeah, exactly. And, and every fan base, dude, not just in movies, sports, everything. There's ups and there's ups and downs in all fan bases. Like yeah, we all know. We've been at the sports grounds when your team's doing badly and people start booing the team. Like yeah, when they're screaming their heads off, fucking carrying on because you're winning or because you're doing something right, mm. that's no different from them screaming yeah. and booing when you do something wrong. It's the same fan. <laughs> Hilarious moment for one of my colleagues at work. Um, sorry for listeners in in the US who aren't familiar with cricket, but watching a Sixers game or it was maybe an Australia game when Moses Enriquez, the Sixers player, came out and was doing so poorly, and my friend from work yells out, "You shouldn't have been playing park cricket." <laughs> and Moses Enriquez looked at him and laughed. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> like you know, you know what I'm saying. Like every bit of fan, like that. That's and that's not toxic. That's funny. But but we've be, all been there where pe- you're abusing the team, you know, because you 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 love the team, but you when you see the players playing so poorly, sometimes the other side of the fan it comes out and they and they start heckling them. And as far as I'm concerned, too fucking bad for these highly paid players. You know, mm. uh, no, I don't look, shedding any tears. Fans are fanatical. And, and that's Same. good and bad. But stop trying to... I'm getting yeah. sick and tired of people like, <laughs> oh, my God, when they hate it, they're toxic and they're the worst people in the world. And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, okay, so you only want the, you only want the one-way traffic. You yeah. just want... Oh, fuck them you know. for that. And, and that's the corporates as well. Like, that, that, like, like Snyder did. They, they milk the fan base for all they can fucking milk it for. Like Disney with Star Wars, they'll milk you from birth to death if they can. You know what I mean? Like, they just, please give us more. Give us more money. Give us more money. Give us more. And the second they get pushed back on their shitty fucking movies, oh, it's such a toxic fan base. Oh, my God. Yeah. The directors are so precious. Oh, my well, God. Like, you know what I absolutely love about that? It's like I love how the 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 fans disappear. So, like, when, when Star Wars, let's just use Star Wars as an example, right? Mm. When Star Wars does something right and everyone loves it, they just go, oh, my God, we've got the best fans. The fans <laughs> love it, right? Yeah. And as soon as the Star Wars does something and people hate it, mm. right, then they go, oh, these are not the true fans. These are the toxic fans. These are the racist <laughs> fans. And I'm like, okay, then what happened to all the fans that you had in the previous show? Yeah, I know. Where did they go? Why are they not here giving you a huge a great bunch of them are the same people? In the last show. Yeah, exactly. Did they just disappear? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no, rubbish, it's man. your fans. And they will be fanatical when they love something and they will be fanatical when they hate something in their hate. You've got to just live with it. You can't keep pointing and saying, no, now they're racist. Now, they, now they're not our fans. It doesn't well, work like I that. I saw Simon Pegg the other day, or I think today, came out and he stated that Star Wars had, in his opinion, the most toxic fan base in the world out of all the film franchises. And he says, I say that as a former toxic fan myself, who's now kind of seen the light. Like, it's like, oh, God. No. Can I just I, vomit? Again, stop with the word toxic. Uh, like, but I'm also fanatical. like, you took your fucking check 
and you change your fucking tune. That's what happened to you, Slumber no, Pig. I do, I, I do agree with him. I, Star Wars has the most fanatical mm. supporters because it's such a huge property. Yeah. It's massive. It's huge. Yes, I agree with him. It has the most exuberant fans, mm. fanatic, but they're not toxic, okay? Just because they hate something doesn't make you toxic. Yeah. I wish True. people would stop doing that. You're allowed to hate something. That's it, man. Well, you certainly hate lots of things, Rich, don't you? I don't think you're particularly toxic. Yeah, no toxic. one's going to fucking tell me I'm toxic. <laughs> I, I'd love it. I will. I think you're a bit toxic, but, you know. <laughs> There's the man who uh, wants to impose the death penalty for literally. Yeah. I, that's Excuse me. No, no, I agree. No, you know, all joking aside, all joking aside, I agree with you. you, you but, like, they want to have their – that's typical corporate, though. They want to have their cake and eat it too. It's bullshit. Like, you know. I can't believe we even spend time at times like uh, defending the so-called virtues that are pushed by these corporate corporations that like it's just lip service these guys are paying. Do, do people not see this? Like the, the the supposedly noble ideals of the Jedi Order are not shared by fucking Lucasfilm or Disney. You know what I mean? It's all a money-making fucking cash grab. I'm sorry, kids, but like it's commercial to the core. Like they do business with the fucking Saudis in China all day long, they can make a dollar, you know? Um, so please don't. And then they try to turn on the fan base. Oh, my God. Like, the fan base is just so anti, anti-women. anti And, oh, my Lord. It's like, how about some of the places you do business in, you know? No, no, it's, it's, it's gaslighting. You, no. The companies, what they do now is they actually gaslight the fans, right? right? When, when if they do something right and everyone loves it, yeah. Then you know. Oh my God, you're the best fans. You whatever, whatever. And then as soon as you do something, and most of the fans don't like it, then you just go, Oh, they're not the real fans. They're the toxic ones. They're yeah. the 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 misogynist and the racist. And that's <laughs> gaslighting your fans, man. That's mm. that's saying you have to love our stuff, otherwise we're going to call you names and we're going to make people think that I'm like fuck them as well because you know, like yeah, but you're a hundred percent right, Rich, and and. I don't know if you're like me. We, we've gone through so many incarnations of stuff and so many productions have been disappointing, you know, of properties. Like, take, for example, I'll give you a good example, DMZ. Now, I read the DMZ comic actually with very low expectations and it blew me away. And I was like, oh, my God, this is such a good comic. I, I did not expect it to be so good. It's really good. Then the show came out and I was excited for the show. It has to be one of the most boring bad shows that I have seen given and money was spent on it like but it was boring and similar really good property why the last month man the um you know comic terribly boring tv show so it's not toxic fans I'm not toxic when I say it sucked I'm not saying it out of fucking sexism for example the quality and pacing of the show in both cases was just so ponderous and slow and dull and boring. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you guys fumbled the ball there. Uh, the reviewing, you know, looking at the audience reviews, it agrees with me. It's not toxic fan base. You made a bad show from a good product. Uh, you know, what, what do you want me to do about it? You know what I mean? Like, it's not the first time that these people have fumbled the ball so badly that you're just like, how did you fuck it up so badly? You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like they're putting out gold and I'm going, oh, no. I can't like this. The whole concept of why the last man is that, that basically the entire world is run by women apart from one guy. I, I read all 60 issues. It's one of my all-time favourite comic series. 
I love it. I'm sorry, but the execution of the show was just terrible. You know, it was all over the shop. It was like The Stand. Like, another example. Great book. Um, killer story. I don't know how you could fuck it up. Well, I don't know how they fucked it up because they filmed it all out of order and made it so disjointed that if you hadn't read the fucking 800-page book, you'd be lost. You know? Mm. Uh, that, you know you know what I'm trying to say? Like, these, these studios put out this stuff. People hate it, and a lot of the times they hate it because it's poorly edited, it's poorly structured, poorly written, etc. The list goes on. It's like you spend money. I agree. In all three of those cases, you spend a lot of money, but you, you, your execution was was poor. Um, and yeah, but I mean, you know, but these days they'll use, as I said, they try and gaslight and insulate themselves by, uh, by, by, by saying, no, 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 we didn't make a bad product. Yeah. Oh, you God, no. didn't like it because you're racist. Yeah. You well, didn't like it because you're sexist. You didn't like it because you're transphobic. Like yeah. that's the annoying thing is if you yeah. made a bad product, just say shit, we really fucked it up. We made a bad product. Right. Yeah, just just go back but to the drawing board. Again, but yeah. they gaslight the fans. They try and make the fans mm. shameful for hating something that was inferior. Like, it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, i tell you something that the reviews have not been kind to the new Resident Evil show, which I am actually going to check out. It's on Netflix, Rich. Uh, I checked. I, ha- <laughs> I haven't. Have, have you seen it, Rich? It's got a no, 3.7 no. It, on IMDb. It is fucking... It looks so awful. Really? I'm so surprised. Like, why... I would have thought Resident Evil is one of these franchises, like I guess Halo as was as well, and no, that wasn't received well. Uh, yeah, but you see, this is the issue: is that you just you can't get a good middle ground. Okay, mm. so <clears throat> it's either fan fiction, mm. which is what this show is now, mm. where it's characters that don't exist in the game. It's telling right. its own story. It's basically fan fiction set in the Resident Evil universe, right? Okay. Um, and then the problem is you got like the most recent movie they did, Welcome to Raccoon City, I think it was called. Which I watched, which was okay. It wasn't great, yeah, but, but it was okay. The problem with that is that all they wanted to do was just like do highlights from the game. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? So it's a balance between fan service and fan fiction. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. yes, you want to be able to tell your own story and sort of stuff and or, you know, based on the games, but they either go too far in one direction. They never seem to get a good, you know, I mean, I'll say this. I still think that the the first Resident Evil movie by, was it Wes Anderson, mm. is still probably the best of all the Resident Evils that have come out, not including the CGI stuff that uh, I think Capcom did and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Japan, although they're not super good. Well, the original, but, the original Resident Evil movies were good. I thought the first couple, at least, you know. I, the first one, I, I still didn't mind it. Like, mm. I never really saw it as a Resident Evil. I saw it more as like a Resident Evil inspired mm. uh, movie. But uh, I thought they were like, eh. But nothing's better has come out. Is my point. Like, mm. the Welcome to Raccoon is definitely not better. No, um, it's not. No, no, it's not. I mean, I watched and, and Welcome to Raccoon from the sounds yeah. of it is not better either. So. Well done, with Anderson. You literally have the best Resident Evil movie. That's hilarious. <laughs> and and they were super unfaithful to the games, weren't they? They really went their own direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I said. That's what I said. It's you, you, you know, because I was so disappointed in um, uh, Welcome to Raccoon City because I like the idea of telling Resident Evil one and two at the same time, mm. right? Like I think 
you having Claire come to Raccoon City to find a brother, but as she arrives, they busy, you know, they've just gone to that mansion and you basically have an A and B story mm. that's kind of running parallel, but they never actually meet in the movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that was actually a very good idea. The problem is it was wasted in execution. You've ruined most of the characters. You've just done nothing but fan service after fan service. She's like, look, it's from the game. Look, it's from the game. Look, it's from the game. And, you know, you, you need to be more sly and subtle about that. It's called Easter eggs. You're supposed mm. to you're supposed to have hide them so well, people can find them, not well, throw them in their face. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, so basically this Resident Evil has got a 3.8 IMDb, 3.7 Halo, which was I, I thought hated, has a seven seven out of ten. So there's a big difference between those two things. That tells me that this Resident Evil is really hated because everyone was complaining about Halo, um, and it's got a much higher higher rating. Let's have a look at Metacritic and compare them because I'm just saying both of them would be considered failures, wouldn't they? Well, um, put it this way: it has fifty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It got fifty one percent with critics, right? Which yeah. is pretty low for, for it critics. It is low. It is low. But it's got a twenty six percent audience score. Yeah, I'm just. And that's in. the most important one: is the audience score. Yeah, I only go to Rotten Tomatoes for the audience score. I couldn't give a fuck about uh, critics. Yeah, uh, critic, critic. Um, on Metacritic is is a pretty good way of seeing. So on Metacritic, the TV show's got a fifty five. Um, which is actually higher than I expected it would have. Um, the, the problem, the, the the reason I hate critics, and I've always hated critics, is mm. because critics are the people that 53. said things like um, the the John Carpenter's The Thing was one of the worst movies ever made. Well, they're idiots for saying that. Exactly, which is why if you had had a system like the internet back in those days where you could see an audience score, yeah, that movie probably would have been like, one of the best movies. Yeah. Now it's become a cult classic, and people realize Jesus was crazy. But that's ever since I found that out. Yeah. Years years after watching that movie, and I found out that critics panned it as like this terrible movie. I was from that day. I was like, I'm never trusting. Oh, movie. dude. Well, it's like um in, in albums, like you know, Rolling Stone used to be the arbiter of you know rock music taste, and they gave yeah. like um. They gave Nevermind by Nirvana, like classically gave it like two and a half stars or something. And then, and then of course, in every fucking greatest you know, mo- albums of the 90s and the millennium, they always gave it like number one or two and stuff. And it's like flashback to what you actually did before it became a thing, you know? Like you, you, you love it in retrospect, but, but at, on the ground of the day, you know, and at the end of the day, it was one man's opinion who wrote the article, but... So looking at this, Halo, the TV show, has a Metacritic score of 61, so it's green, but it's only just green for, like, mostly favourable reviews, and Resident Evil has a 53. So they're, they're a big... Neither of them are great successes with the critics, but I will check out an episode just to see I've done it, but I'm not going to slog through it like I slogged through Halo, because I, I, I felt with Halo, like, it was... No, it wasn't actually okay, but it was it was like below average to me. But but I slogged through it. But I I don't think I've got another season in me for Halo. Really, I don't. You know. No, I don't even have the first season in me. Well, I <laughs> I slogged through it, and it was a slog, and it was it got less enjoyable as it went on. If you know what I mean, it was just it became just a grind. Um, yeah. So now something I am looking forward to, Richard. Uh, did you watch the Rings of Power trailer? I watched it before the show, man. It was fucking uh, awesome. Yeah, sadly, I did. Oh, dude, what? What are you not like? This is this looks fucking awesome, dude. Like, I am oh. looking so forward to this show, man. It I- looks as generic as fuck. 
What do you mean? Give us like, like, high give fantasy. fake Irish fucking accents. Oh, la, la, la. <laughs> over the, oh, it's so terrible. You talk about the Harfoots, the, the Hobbits before they're Hobbits? Oh, yeah. Lenny oh, Henry's in there. I had a laugh when the they had a shot of the the the, the halflings or whatever they're called, the Hobbits, mm. walking. And obviously they've got those rubber feet, the, you know, the rubber feet to make their feet look big. Mm. And they literally looked like... They look like they couldn't walk properly. <laughs> Just laughing because they were like waddling because clearly they couldn't walk with the feet. Oh, that's so sad. No, this this it's not going to be good. This oh, show. dude, it, it had some beautiful shots though. Had some beautiful shots, oh, man. Fantastic CGI stuff in it. Yeah. Come on, man. You know what I saw, Rich? Some boats. I saw some fucking boats from Numenor, and that's where you're going to lose your bet. And guess who agreed with me? Ed Greenwood, creator of the Forgotten Realms, said it's a pretty good chance they'll meet Samurai. There you go. Uh, well, good. I can tell you you're both wrong then. Wow. The creator of Forgotten Realms is wrong, is he, Rich? The guy who created yeah, the creator it all. Of Forgotten Realms has got nothing to do with Lord <laughs> of the Rings is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed, don't listen to Richard. Richard doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, I, he said to me, he goes, you don't know what you're he talking said about. to find Samurais. He said to find Samurais. And I said, just guys in like samurai armor waving swords around. Like, and he said, yeah, pretty good chance. Yeah. There you go. So when it happens, I want you to write an apology to Ed Greenwood and send it to him by snail mail saying, dear Ed, I apologize. Sure. You know, I will do that when it doesn't happen. It's going to happen, man. I, I so hope it happens and you'll be humble. I was just looking this up. I actually, I forgot that they race change Wesker, uh, Albert Wesker in that uh, Resident Evil. I completely forgot. I was wondering why the Wesker twins were not blonde. Okay, yeah, that right. makes sense. Um, well, Lenny Henry, we know, is one of the hobbits. I don't care, man. Do, do you care? They're like, oh, there's black hobbits. I'm so outraged. I'm like, I'm not outraged at all. I, I couldn't care less. About what? Like when they race change things like hobbits, you know, because there's black hobbits oh, now. Fuck, man. Lord of the Rings is going to be full of that. Don't worry about it. I'm not, there's no point in getting upset about something yeah. that's going to be in your face every five minutes. But does it matter? I don't understand how it matters. I'm just like, whatever. Like, you know, like you could even have in some of them. I'm sure they will. Some of the stuff is they're going to come from distant lands, man. There's going to be, like, Egypts and stuff like that, like their version of that kind of shit. They're, they're, they're going to tie that stuff in, man, because, yeah, it, you know. No, look, um, I I do have – I would I would usually have an issue with it, but this isn't real Lord of the Rings, so I, it doesn't really matter. What it's the second it's age. All, it's the second age. Dude. This is all fan fiction. It's not based on his work, though. I believe they're going to use some of the stuff from Numenor. Richard. Yeah, but again, they, they don't have the rights to a lot of the stuff, so a lot of the shit they're just making up themselves. So it's all fan fiction, mate. And most of it, probably eighty percent of the show will be. Fan I could fiction. write it. I could write this shit, man. And you know, I I know what I'm talking about because I I've plunged myself into the depths of yeah, Tolkien's writing. Allowed to use a lot of the stuff from stuff because they don't own the rights to it, so you can't write it. Well, man, I'm ready for it. I don't care what you say, really. Uh, I mean, I'm when Wheel of Time came out. I remember you were like a, you were like the crow, you know croaking it or whatever crows do squawking you know telling me it's gonna be so poor then wheel of time came out and it blew our minds you know no, it did not blow my mind don't, don't put words in my mouth Maybe i'm trying to do a little mind trying to do mind. trying to do a bit of a revisionist history here. um no it was okay is how i describe it you know like uh, I, Mate, it, no no i'm sorry you don't get to go oh you know what it was okay you said before the show came out will be the greatest fucking show ever made Ever made? Yeah, well, you cannot now turn and go. Oh, you know, it was all right. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah, it's it pretty good. No, you it said was. it was going to be the great, and you're saying the same thing about this show. And no, I, I am more confident 
that the Lord of the Rings show, I think it will be, I'm going to make this comment right now, it'll be the greatest fantasy show ever released on any platform, TV. The You know, I, I think it will be top tier right up there, well above Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time to me, if I'm being honest, was it, it felt a bit cheap. Uh, like they sort of like interesting. Like I, I, I did enjoy it, but I just felt like they sort of, it was like a TV movie version of what I had in my head rather than sort of like the big sort of f- faction. And I felt they rushed it a little bit. I think that they're, I think that this rings of power is going to knock your socks off. I really do. I think they're going to go for the throat. They're going to go for the jugular, Rich. Oh, no, it's probably going to knock me out and put me to sleep, honestly. What did you think about the actress playing Galadriel? Terrible. I was a bit questionable on that too. And I'm sure that was her husband, was it? Was that Celeborn? Is that his name? No, you know, I think she was talking to... Um, who? Elrond? Uh, Elrond, yeah. That's uh, Elrond. That's that that uh, weird-looking guy is supposed to be... Um, but Elrond's seen plenty of bad shit too when she's saying, you haven't seen what I've seen. Yeah, but she's the badass chick, man. She yeah, but, but Elrond was at the first to, battle he's too. He's a badass warrior chick. Okay, but Elrond has, was also at the the battle at the end but of the first not, age but too. But he's not Galadriel, so she gets to be the more badass character. Okay, well, she can see into the future, which Elrond may not be able to do. She can see it with a little pond and all that. She can see into the future. So, anyway, we'll see what happens, man. I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope the future she sees in the future of you losing a bet. <laughs> That's what I hope. No, I'm pretty sure the show will be cancelled long before I lose It's it not going to be. I... Dude, you, you, you sometimes, Richard, do not understand. This show will not be cancelled. This show will run for, it'll probably run for three to five seasons at least because they want to make their money back, Rich. They've spent so much money on it, they want to run and run yeah, and run with I it. can't see this going past three seasons maximum. Yep, it will. There'll, there'll be a lot of fall-off interest after the first season, probably even after the first couple of episodes. <laughs> You're just trying to death ride it, though. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to death ride this show to win a bet, and that's what I have an exception to. You know? no, can I be honest with you? If I didn't have to watch the show, I would happily lose the bet. <laughs> well, sadly, you don't have that option. You have to watch the show because we're going to go over an excruciating detail every episode. So don't even think about that. Now, moving away from Rings of Power, uh, Bruce Willis revisits the landmark Fox Plaza that stood in a spectacular Nakatomi Plaza in 1988's Die Hard, I believe it was an anniversary of some kind. Uh, what anniversary would it be up to now, Rich? Would it be 20, mm, 40 years? Not quite 40 years. How long? Mm. 30? 30 would well, be 28. Yeah, anniversary, then it must be the 30th anniversary, right? I don't know. Well, it can't be. We're in 2022. Is it 30... I want to say it's 34. Is that right? I don't even know. It no, sounds... So, yeah, that's a weird anniversary. Yeah, I don't know I, but what, what he was doing. I mean, but Bruce Willis also is having some sort of medical problems now, so perhaps he just stumbled upon it, you know? He's having problems remembering people and stuff, you know, that disease he's got. That would only be a 34 years, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, 34 you don't normally see that celebrated, a 34th anniversary. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I would thought, okay, maybe a 35, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Bruce got the year wrong, went in early. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway. Uh, now, a new rumour suggests the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actress will return to the MCU as Quake. This was, oh, my God, so exciting. Who's Quake again? <laughs> she was the actress in Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as you well know, Richard. And, yeah, um, right, okay, if you say so. And I did watch it. 
I only watched the first season of that show, man. She I was in it. I don't remember someone called Quasar. She was the brunette in it. She was the she was the young brunette character who later went on to have Quake's powers, but um, she was the sort of lead girl in it. Who the girl who gets brought into Shield basically at the start of the show. Yeah, vaguely remember it. Yeah. Okay. Bungie wants the key studio in Microsoft's stable is now fully a subsidiary of Sony. Uh, interesting purchase and pickup, Rich. They don't own Destiny anymore. Am I correct? I thought I read somewhere. No, they still own Destiny. Oh, did. Really? I thought they didn't. Is that right? Is it was Destiny their big their big thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. So basically that's why PlayStation bought them, why Sony bought them, do you do you think? Probably for future games. Mm. Well, I'm thinking is it more destiny to come kind of thing? Yeah, but again, it doesn't matter because that'll be on all platforms. Okay. Destiny, Destiny will never go singular platform. Really? Wouldn't that be the whole point of purchasing them? Bungie, no, because the, the, the point of purchasing them is to make the revenue off of that IP. Mm. But, um, again, there'll be stand-in deals. If it's on multi-platforms, you have more money. Mm. You've got more players. So they didn't buy it for for necessary destiny and to make destiny exclusive but they definitely will want them to make future games exclusive mm -hmm. yeah okay and, and like so what other games did bungie make or is this well, that is it the joined playstation not that they were bought by them uh, they, they, they were 3.6 billion dollar acquisition there you go they were they were acquired by sony they were acquired by sony man it was it was only announced on july 16. So it's it's very like I look the deal cleared. So it, it was it was completed and cleared. So Yeah, that means Bungie was not doing well. Destiny is not making money. Really? I thought that was well, I mean, is that because the cycle has gone through? You know? They've well, kind of uh, Bungie kind of wanted to stay independent so they could own their ship. So mm. that you know, so so like again, like with Xbox who owns Halo, mm. not Bungie. Um they, I believe they took some money from an investor so that they could do this by themselves, mm -hmm. which is why they left Activision. Right. But if they, if they sell in themselves to, to PlayStation, then, then Bungie, then Destiny is not making enough money. Yeah. Well, I think there's, yeah, I mean, 3.6 billion, it's nowhere near the number that, um, Bethesda was sold for. How much sorry, was sorry, I'm just reading this unprecedented partnership with at PlayStation is a big, bold step forward. I could not be more excited. How is it a big, bold step? You were owned by fucking Xbox by Microsoft. You <laughs> left them and you were owned by, uh, Activision. Yeah. And then you went independent, but now are own. How is it exciting and new? You've th this is like third. It's just corporate like. jargon, man. Like you know, they always yeah. say that kind of shit. Like you know, they think we're idiots, man. Like they 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 pump this stuff out, and it makes me want to vomit because it's just so like, ah, uh, it's just so by the numbers, like corporate spiel, and we're just supposed to accept it, like and not question it, and it just makes me rub my eyes. Like they believe their own press, basically. That's their problem. They believe their own press releases. And I also think really the problem be. is is that I don't. I think the console market and the PC market is very different. Right? Yeah. PC players look for MMOs. Mm. I don't think I don't think console players are really that big on on MMOs as much. Yes, they like some multiplayer, mm. 
where it's, you know, 5v5 or 6v6 or 12v2. You know what I mean? They like the, oh, let's go. But I don't think they- Like Titanfall, for example. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think console players are in- are interested in MMOs, like these games that you play every single day. Well, you know, part of the problem, uh, like the idea intrigues me, but it always seems like the console is limited with them. Whereas with the, it's just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fucking PC gamer other than playing my medieval total war, but it feels like that on the, my computer, if I played an MMO, it feels like that the mouse and stuff, it feels like you've got better, movements and stuff do you know what i mean like it just seems like uh, i mean that a little bit but i just think it's a different mindset because yeah. the console is in the lounge usually yeah it's the relaxing console it's like oh yeah i'll you know if bungie just had like um a, a single player game and then the multiplayer yeah i think people would still jump on and play the multiplayer and mm. and stuff but i don't think people want to like have to the problem with mmos is you basically have to play them every day Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because really otherwise you're going to fall behind on your reputation and your gear grinding. Yeah, and, that's hard. And all that sort of stuff. And I don't think console players are like looking for, I don't want to have to log on every day. I just want to log on when I've got time or yeah. when I'm bored or, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, just a, a different mindset between a PC player and a console player because none of the, none of the console MMOs, you know, like mm. your, your Fallout, your Destinies, I don't think they've ever like, None of them have had a, a storied career like, say, uh, Final Fantasy or um, mm. uh, World of Warcraft or even, God, even um, Star Wars The Old Republic. Mm. I mean, I think that's going into its 12th year now, its 11th year. And, and you know what I mean? Wow. Like, I think it's just a different mindset. You know yeah, what I mean? I um, think you're right. I don't think, yeah, you know, people don't want to log on every day to play something unless mm. they're having fun. But they'll yeah. get bored eventually. Man, like me with Assassin's Creed, I was logging onto that every day for ages, and then you need you need to take some time off. But anyway, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder clings to top spot at the box office despite a steep second weekend drop. I gave my review last week, didn't I? On Thor, I don't need to revisit my review. That was a massive drop. I think it was sixty eight percent or something. I like tell that. you what, everyone I know who's seen it, very negative reviews, very negative. Like more negative than mine by far. Like one of my friends at work, she she slammed it. Actually, she said it was pain. Like I'd read her thing and it was like painful to watch, cringing watching it. She really well, hey, hated um, it. Um, to be fair, whether he meant to or not, I think Chris Hemsworth did try and warn people. He said mm. this movie was like it was made by a seven year old. <laughs> uh, yeah maybe in his weird way without realizing it he tried to warn people yeah this he, is a childish fucking movie yeah he he, he thought that means it'll be epic but actually no seven year old shouldn't direct major motion it just pictures it's nonsensical and it's full of fart jokes like <laughs> well what it was was just super like you know my key takeaway just really lightweight super lightweight almost as lightweight as you could get and in that sense, I wasn't super offended, but it was hard to care, you know, about it. Like, it was just mm. like, yeah, that was something that happened. I, you know, barely remember anything that happened kind of thing, you know, which, you know. I, I give James Gunn a bit of flack, but I think Taika Waititi could be the Chinese knockoff version of James Gunn. He's a Kiwi, firstly, Richard. No, you. when I mean by Chinese knockoff, oh, I mean, I see, right. yeah, I see. like, the, the, the knockoff bags, the knockoff like toys, Taiwan, the knockoff games. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, where it's not, yeah. it's it's supposed to be like the product, but not quite. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get, I get you. Like the Chinese Spider Man, and it's like, what's yeah, like, yeah, uh, because 
both like i think james gunn can go a bit overboard but i think he knows when to like especially with guardians of the galaxy he knows mm. when to to stop yeah. If, yeah if something needs to be meaningful yeah um whereas taika i think i think maybe he did know but i think he got so emboldened off the ragnarok yeah that i think he thought oh, i yeah. could do no wrong everyone loves my humor everyone thinks i'm the most funniest guy on the planet yeah let's go and it's yeah. like no we don't think you're that funny <laughs> no we, well yeah exactly we've seen it and you know what we're really I didn't think you were that funny in ragnarok other people did yeah. And now they're paying the price for that. <laughs> well, your friend made a really good analysis when he said that it's like he took a couple of the lessons that people love my humor from, from Ragnarok and then he just dialed down on that like it, you wouldn't believe. And it's almost it's almost astounding considering what would be, you would think, a weighty subject matter, like Killer of Gods, just how lightweight it actually oh, and is. Plus, and plus James for cancer. Yeah, like, but that's a minor subplot. No, no, man, but my you know? point is, you've got two of those things. Is my point? You've got yeah something serious like Jane uh, yeah. having cancer, but then you've also got this really serious threat. Which, mm. by the way, to be fair, Hella was also a serious threat. In mm. you know, it's Ragnarok for fuck's sakes. Mm. But again, it was treated like a joke. Yeah. So it was there. That's why I didn't like that movie. And people told me I'm crazy. You're crazy. It's such a good movie. It's such a funny movie. And now you got the repercussions for that. So I'm <laughs> you're you're loving it, aren't you, Rich? You are. You I'm vindicated. You are vindicated. I can tell in your tone of voice that you just feel like a vindicated man right now. And you know what? You are right, actually. In fairness, now Sylvester Stallone, a man who's often right, has called out the Rocky series producer Ivan Winkler demanding further ownership rights to the franchise. This is a painful subject that eats at my soul because I wanted to leave something of Rocky for my children, um, Sly says. And, um, you know, <laughs> I love Sly. But, I mean, this is he's not hurting for cash, but he's pointing the finger fairly and squarely at Ivan Winkler saying, where's the money? Where's the yeah, cash? Yeah, but I think he's not hurting for cash, but I think, I think Rocky is probably his pride and joy. Sure. I what mean, about Rambo? For that. What about Rambo? No, but I mean, Rambo is probably is uh, it's fun. Yeah, but I Rocky is like Rocky's his his baby. Well, wasn't like, that Rocky the one that he wrote the screenplay for, the original Rocky? Didn't he win an Oscar? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. I think oh, Ro yeah. Rocky is his pride and joy. Yeah, you know, Rambo is his um, action, is his fun getaway. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he kind of turned that into the Expendables as well. I was going well. to say Expendables, yeah. Uh, and then he started going, and then he went back to the Rambo. Because so, you know, his action stuff is like, I'm, I'm not trying to be nasty, but it, it, that's just it. the fun stuff. You get to blow things up and all that. But Rocky is his his magnum opus, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's his, yeah. it's his deep and meaningful thing. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And uh, look, uh, you know, this guy's 93, I think, the producer and, and Sly Hasselim to the grave, which I enjoy. Good work, Sly. Well, I believe, um, yeah, I believe that's why he was forced into that, uh, into those uh, Creed movies. Right. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, he didn't actually really want to do the Creed stuff. Mm. But again, he he doesn't have the full rights or something to... Mm. To the Rocky stuff and all that. And yeah, no, he doesn't. He's he's paid, uh, supposedly he's been paid participation points and stuff. So he has earned quite a bit of cash from it, but there's obviously some ownership rights that he wants to try to settle. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's Sly Stallone. I wish him all the best. You know, I mean, the guy's had a fucking great career. 
great career sly like such a long and story hey, it's not career. over yet I mean, it's not over just, yet you said last week he's got a new amazon movie coming out next new month. amazon movie the samaritan we're looking forward to it. he's got a tv mm. production company where he's producing stuff including chuck dixon i want Leon another Cage. expendables movie man yeah me too <laughs> me too sly yeah let's we get have, another we expendables. haven't gone through all the the big action names come on let's get another expendables movie going sly let's not let's not just rest on rocky here let's keep going let's keep making money uh i, I love sly he's great we watched demolition man um just oh, that's a good movie. I love it. I love it, man. And Michelle loves it as well. It's such a good film. Like, it's such a good movie. Um, now, Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book lands a Disney movie adaptation. Uh, they'll adapt his 20, uh, 2008 young adult novel into a feature-length film with World War Z's Mark Forster to direct. Um, I can't say I've ever read it. Um, yeah. Pete Craig Russell, I believe, did the artwork. Uh, and I'm not super hot on his artwork in general. It's very sort of like um, airy-fairy for me, but probably fits the subject material. Have you read this book, Rich, The Graveyard Book? No. No, I, I, I wasn't even that familiar with it. Yeah. it's uh, Look, I actually own it. It's on my shelf somewhere, but I've never read it. Um, this is funny. CD Project, which is the company that made The Witcher and Cyberpunk, is you worth it. Read. Oh, so Project Red, yeah, okay. CG Project Red, is that the full name? Yeah. Okay. It's worth a quarter of what it was before Cyberpunk 2077 released. That's not surprising. Wow. I'm surprised that they didn't sort of recover, like, by then, because I thought they sort of, like, um, you know. They haven't released anything since then. Yeah, but but in the end, you're worth something when you haven't put out something since your failure. But in but their so-called failure still sold a ton of... Ton of um, copies, man. It was it was huge sales success? No, not. I don't think it sold anywhere near as much as. Um, they were hoping. Um, well, hoping as, but also as as much as The Witcher Three. I don't oh think no, came close to that. So, so but, again, uh, yeah. a lot of people probably saying, "Oh, geez, uh, they haven't sold as much. Maybe this isn't like the next big, you know, company. I'm going to sell my shares or whatever." Thirteen million. Get out, get out Thirteen now. million copies. As how many has it sold? Thirteen million. Uh, blah blah blah. I still lags far behind the top fifty best selling games of all time, and their last big hit, The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt, which has sold more than twenty eight million copies across all platforms. So yeah, about half. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's not good. Um, yeah, enjoyable game though. After all the bugs were ironed out, I thought you know a bit of a bit of a shame, really. Yeah, but, but you, know. Uh, you know what? The biggest mistake was one: if you wanted to make a next gen game, then you should have made it for next gen. Yeah, right? you just say to the companies, "Look, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're not making this for old platforms. So you know, fuck it. Mm. We, this is this is a next gen only game. We know that not everyone will be able to buy it, but eventually, when stuff become available, people can buy it. Mm. Right. Um, but that's that's losing a lot of money. You know, it's not losing a lot of money. It's just putting off sales because. Yeah, but that's a problem. It is a problem, but then, but then you had to then either step back and do the game and say, right, well, we need to reevaluate and we need to make it more on the level of The Witcher because mm. we can't go as big. That's my point. You, you can't have the. You, they tried to have it all. Yeah, and they needed to make a decision. Yeah. So they either needed to make it for last gen mm. and scale it back, but make sure that it ran well, mm. or they needed to say, right. We want the best looking game. This is going to be Xbox One, PlayStation Five exclusive. Mm. And yes, well, we we're not going to make as much money out the gate, but they still would have made money on PC and all that sort of stuff because there's high end PCs that could have run it. 
Yeah, the, the, the PCs had like, no problems. But we will make, yeah. over time, we will make the money because as more and more people buy a, a, or get their hands on the next-gen console, they they will immediately buy this But that was the problem, though, as well. Game. Like, unlike the other console launches, there's been a scarcity of, you know, chips or whatever to make the PS5s and the, and the new Xboxes. So that's yeah, a problem. But my point is, look, Witcher 3 sold for years and years. Sure did. Like, right. Skyrim, like Skyrim, you know? So my point is... If they had made a great game, even if it was next gen, yes, there would be people out there disappointed, but there would have been still people chomping at the bit, and the first game they would have bought yeah. when they did get a console mm. would have been CD Projekt Red. So that, that CD Projekt Red would have made money sort of consistently, mm. and it probably would have added up. But So my point is they wanted to get all the money up front. Yeah, and but they tried to make a next gen and a thing, and the the old gen is what fucked up that game. It's what made it incompatible. It's it had so many like as I said, should have made a decision, decided are we going to make our money slowly, or we're going to make it for old console and make all our money in one. How, how did like, they not know with their play testing that their PS fours and Xbox ones couldn't handle it? Like how how is that not obvious? You know, because it. It seems like it would be That's obvious. That's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, like it's you know there was because I played it on my Xbox One for a while, and it played, but it was it was kind of like GTA Four graphics. You know what I mean? It was very sort of like grainy, and and when I play it on my PS Five now, it's just such a sleek game. You don't even worry about it. You don't even think about it. But it was clearly struggling. But on the PS4s, it actually bricked quite a few PS4s, I believe. They actually pulled it from the PlayStation Store. So, yeah, well, that, yeah, yeah. Well, that's my point. Like, if if they had made the decision, because um, still not everyone has a next-gen console now. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's really a problem, like, that's out of their control, too. It's all to do with, like, China but and... You burned the ship because you made such a poor-selling game. No one even wants to own it on last year. So, mm. yeah <laughs> you know yeah you know it's a shame like, too uh, it's not a bad game you gotta remember like uh when people uh hype you up they very unforgiving when you fail you know sure um uh, yeah. w w when you fuck it up uh they will you know i get i get that in retail as well you know someone will have one bad experience with one sony tv or one samsung tv and they'll be like i'm never buying that brand again yeah they really like, get burned wow because you had one one bad experience your entire life with one brand you're going to be like i'm never ever buying that brand on anything ever again yeah. so but that's something that's what people are like you know. so there's a lot of people who would have written off cd project now they would have gone fuck them they gave me they made me a shit game i'm never never supporting them again bit dramatic if you ask me yeah they're, they're, a lot of them will come slinking back if they make another good game yeah that's they, yeah. let's be honest they've announced another witcher game i'm sure yeah exactly i was gonna say they'd probably save us to go back to their golden goose you know mm -hmm. Uh, and get another Witcher game going. Look, honestly, I actually, you know. I actually bought a, a Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven for I think twenty bucks, mm. but it's still sitting on the shelf, and I've never ever actually. Dude, it's a good <laughs> it's game. It, it honestly is a good game. If you're playing, no, it on a I, I bought it, but I've heard that the story is so subpar in it. Well, I'm playing it. Got like, me worried because I I play these sort of games for the story. Oh, well, I mean, it's mostly about combat and stuff. That's fine if that's all the game was, but if it's supposed to be like a lot of driving, I'm, and stuff. a lot of dialogue. I've got to pay attention to the story, and the story turns out to be subpar. That's a oh, look, think of it this way: GTA Five, 
What did you think of the story? How important was the story? I didn't play GTA 5. Or 4. I played Red Dead Redemption 2, and that story was fucking awesome. God. Was it really that awesome, though? Like, I've played it. Like, it's good, but was it really that awesome, the story? It was slow, is what it was. I did a lot of roaming. You played the game, Dave. I did a lot of roaming in in, in that game, man. I did a hell of a lot of roaming. Yeah, well, no wonder it seems so fucking slow. God, the story's not going anywhere. (laughs) I've just been riding the horse for three hours. And I played a lot of of poker as well. Uh, I was playing a hell of a lot of poker. No, the story was really good. I actually, I really (laughs) felt for that character. um, Really? And I like that you get to make decisions Mm. on, with the, again, it's minor stuff. It's not major thing. Like it's, it's made by like whether you attack someone or, or what you do and all that, but uh, I really enjoyed the story. I thought the oh, story. Was I've really got to finish good. that game because I did actually enjoy it. It's a good game. Um, yeah. Now, have you ever seen this Fire and Ice, the nineteen eighty three animated cult classic? I hear it mentioned a lot. Have oh, you ever oh. seen it? Yeah, I've never seen it. So, um, it's returning to the world of comic books and role playing games in twenty twenty three, thanks to a new partnership between Dynamite Entertainment, the Frazetta Girls brand, and. Bakshi Productions, uh, fans will get to return to the brainchild of Frank Frazetta, Ralph Bashke, Roy Thomas, and Jerry Conway. They all sort of combined in various ways to come up with that uh, animated film. Um, what's your memories oh, Jerry, of that? Oh, Jerry Conway wasn't happy. No. I've, I actually have heard this. We didn't bring it up on our interview with him, but, uh, but yeah, there was some... Was there some bad blood or between him and the producer? I Not believe? bad blood. It's just that um, everyone keeps referring to the movie as uh, the, the the Frank Frazetta right. uh, Fire and Ice or the, the Frank Frazetta Ralph Bakshi Fire and Ice. And Frank Frazetta only did the poster for the movie. Oh, okay. He wasn't like super involved. He didn't involved. actually have any, according to, to, to uh, Jerry, Jerry Conway. Conway. Yeah. Uh, Frank had zero input into the movie. Really? Even Bakshi was more there for name. Yes, he produced it, but apparently Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway basically created everything, wrote everything. Mm-hmm. And yes, they did base the uh, uh, the characters on the the, the Frank uh, uh, Frazetta poster, mm. like the design and all that. But he said that's the it, the extent of. But everyone refers to it as the Frank uh, the the Frazetta. Um, Bakshi sort of movie. Well, I guess Frazetta is the big name, you know. Yeah, but it seems to be a sore, sore, sore spot point. for him because he wow. was on he was online. Um, wow, really? Because when this got reported, uh, he, I think he was saying <laughs> to the hilarious. companies, "You might want to update it to include uh, mine and and Roy Thomas's name to the stuff and give us the credit for right. creating the characters and all that wow. sort of stuff." So, uh, fair enough. Good, good, good luck to him. You know, good, good correction. It would be pretty galling if you did all this work on it and then you weren't even included in the fucking, um, you know, promos. Mm. We, we, that would that would be annoying, you know. Um, anyway, well, yeah, um, well, look, I mean, look, I mean, Bakshi's obviously going to have the bigger name because he did so many animated movies. I mean, Wizards is still that thing fucking scarred me as a child. What um, is it? I'm, I don't know. Uh, movie Wizards. 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 Oh, Wizards. Okay, Wizards. what is it? Fantasy or what is it? It's fantasy mixed with um, uh, science fiction. Mm-hmm. So, like a wizard, basically, um, he basically brings like the the Nazis to this Jesus. fantasy realm, right? And um, <laughs> and he's overtaken his two brothers, the two the wizards, and he basically he creates like a time portal in a way or something, and like mm-hmm. enslaves. Them. But he, it's intercut. It's one of those things with what like Bakshi does, where it's it's intercut with real footage. Mm-hmm. 
with the the animation and all that and i just remember it being so bloody because i think i watched it when i was like 10 right yeah so you're young and it was quite violent and it was the scary image and i remember it actually affected me as a child it really freaked <laughs> me the fuck out because i'd never seen a cartoon like that, that yeah, yeah 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 like was was one so violent and two was intercut with these like you know like this like this german horrendous sort of imagery that was Jesus. real uh it, it, it just like i can watch it now it's fine but i just remember being like 10 11 it just sounds really, like a trip i've never heard of it yeah so you know Bakshi has a bit of a name for like the the stuff that he's done so mm. i mean you know i understand you know it's it's and, and frank that is a, a massive name oh, frank that is a huge name the death dealer and all that conan stuff he did the realm with his paintings and stuff so you know, and I mean, technically, if he designed the poster and then you created the characters, he did technically design the characters. But it's true. I get what he's saying. I do. I do agree that he they should get a mention. Yeah. Uh, in, in, uh, somewhere in there. I totally agree. If, if they did most of the heavy lifting. I tell you, someone who does the heavy lifting, Bob Dylan, he's become the latest in a string of artists, including Madonna and Kate Bush, to ban phones from concerts as singers attempt to crack down on fans filming gigs and posting footage on social media. the fuck, man. Bob Dylan broke his silence at over a decade-long silence in shows between the songs to say we can either play or pose, and he got the whole band up together and they posed together for about one minute, and he was just like, he was basically, he hates people taking videos and taking photos right. while he's singing. All right, grumpy old man. <laughs> Well, hey man, I mean, you know, like he doesn't like. I, the I view it as, um, I view it as free advertising. Yeah, I personally love it because if that if that gets posted online, someone might re look at that and go, "Fuck, man, that concert looks like lit, man." Like, I yeah, I should go to one of these concerts next time, you know. But yeah, I don't quite understand what whatever. The, do you, do you, man? I think some of it might be, and I'm speculating, but it could be the flashing of the cameras could distract them when they're singing and stuff. I think that could uh, be well, part of it. What you put your crack down on fans filming gigs and posting footage on social media. So it has more to do with them posting it than anything. I'm like, who cares? Like, if if you're bothering... Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. it's stupid that they care. Yeah, if you're... Like, uh, with Merle Haggard, for example. I've been on my Merle Haggard kick. And I'm on, his, I'm on YouTube looking at Merle Haggard clips, and not all of it is the official stuff. Some of it's literally fans filming, you know, like... And stuff like that. And, like, the Grateful Dead embraced that. They embraced that whole thing about the tapers and stuff. Like, that was a huge part yeah. of their community. I, I really don't see the problem. Like, let's face it. If you're – if Bob Dylan's performing a, a concert tomorrow, if I recorded that on my phone, in no way is that going to, A, capture the full ambiance. But if he releases that concert – as a proper, you know, you know how they release the concerts and stuff on live live shows and all that kind of thing on um, Apple Music and Spotify and stuff. They're going to make it sound so much better than how I could capture it. So, yeah, like, it's probably it's it's probably a delusional greed thing where they mm. think that I don't want these people to be able to watch it for free. They need to pay to see it, and it's like, mate, they were never going to pay. Only the real, but only a real diehard's bothering to watch it. You know. No, but my point is they're never going to pay. But let's say they someone did watch it and mm. they watched it on Facebook or yeah. YouTube or whatever. They may you may make a fan out of them exactly by them seeing that. So just I don't know. It seems so stupid. To me, but... Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I don't normally go against what Bob Dylan's saying here, but I mean, he's he's super fucking um, serious about it. 
it's one of his big things. So interesting. Well, we live in a digital age, man. We live in a sharing age. So yeah. Chris Claremont has a new Marvel comic, Extreme Extreme X Men Squared, uh, which is basically his sort of sequel to the Extreme X Men that he did back, I think, in the nineties. Um, what do you think, Rich? Uh, has Chris Claremont got anything left in the tank for X Men? I don't remember enjoying the Extreme X Men. No. Right, but I don't think the, I don't think that was the nineties. I think that was the two thousands. Okay, it? I, I don't. I have no idea, but uh, it was that definitely came after the nineties. I do remember the Extreme X Men. I think they were wearing like red and black. Okay, some of the characters, but I'm pretty sure that was in the two thousands. And it wasn't that good. Uh, I don't remember. I mean, the art wasn't as good. I remember that. Like overall, the art one as good. The stories weren't that great. Mm. Um. So he's come back. I just wonder how much is left in the tank, really, for him regarding regarding X Men. You know, is he playing? Yeah, um, that's a. I it- look. I I hope him. I hope. I hope well because I I wasn't a fan of his um his X Men. What was it called when he came to X Men Forever? X Men Forever. X Men Forever. That wasn't great. No. No, um, maybe extreme. He, he can be a little bit more free with that. You know what I mean. Um, maybe he doesn't have to uh, go for that sort of '80s tone that he mm. was trying to go for, I guess, or something. Yeah. Uh, but I was yeah. It was 2001 to 2004. Okay. Yeah, I believe he got that title when Grant Morrison came on to New X Men. And he got the Extreme X Men title. I be- I believe that from an article yeah. I read. Anyway. Like, here's the thing: I'm not a fan of. I like when X Men have individuality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably why I never got into the New Mutants as well, mm-hmm. because I'm not a fan of everyone wearing the same color. Yeah, no, I, I hate it actually. Like, I think it's you lame. Know, like if they're all wearing red and uh, or blue and uh, red, and they just look like they're part of a. A unit, a cheerleading unit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, it's like a mercenary unit. Or something. I'm not a fan of that. I like it when each individual X Men has their own totally individual agree. style and 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 color and flair and all of that sort of stuff. Totally agree. Well, anyway, um, and then we had. I want to mention this. I mentioned this on Dread or Dead. Currently, right now in 2000 AD, they're doing a Judge Red storyline called the Special Relationship or Special Relationship, and it's the U. It's the Brit sit. Judges are having a flare-up with their longtime allies at Mega City One, and it's actually coming to gunshots and deaths uh, at a Black Atlantic Tunnel outpost. And uh, I've been reading it, Rich. I'm three parts into it now. It's it's excellent stuff. It's a it's a flashpoint in like what would be described as like a little war between two allies over over uh, something that's happened. Russian hackers are involved. It's really pretty interesting. So I wanted to um, point that out to to uh, listeners, check out Dread or Dead and check out Special Relationship in 2000 AD. Now, our final news item, Joe Fixit is coming back in 2023 with Peter David um, mm. in, a, in, a, in a miniseries following on from the Maestro miniseries that he was doing. Um, and I believe, hopefully, this would be included in the new Peter David Hulk Omnibus Volume 5, I think, that's just coming out. So exciting times, Rich. Yeah, oh, that's definitely you. Are, you're a massive fan of uh, Mister Fix It. I love Joe Fix It. So I think that's a, that's. Uh, I know what we'll be reviewing when that comes. Hundred percent. And what's the artist here? You've highlighted the artist. How do you pronounce the name, Rich? Yildiray. See, no. Are think. you familiar with him or her, or her? Uh, it's a he. Um, he's not not super familiar. I know he is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think he's done a bit of X-Men and stuff and all that. Um, okay. You'd hope so. He's, he's, <laughs> he's pretty decent. I, I've never seen him do big characters, though, so that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I'm looking forward to it. I love my Joe Fixit, man. Yeah. You know? A lot of the work I've seen him done, you know, he's done the Batman and he's done the X-Men, but I've never seen him do, like, a massive, like, hulking character. I've got so a, a confession. In my reading of Peter David now, I'm into Omnibus 2, and Hulk has moved on from Las Vegas. Does that mean it's the end of Joe Fixer, or does Joe Fixer come back in Peter David's run? Because I love Mister Fixer, Joe Fixer. Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah. I'm concerned. I mean, I love the Hulk, and I love what Peter David's doing, but he's left Las Vegas, and I'm wondering, is that the end of the Mister Fixer persona? No, maybe Mister Fixer is going on a um, sabbatical. Adventure. Yeah, I just love. I love Joe Fixer, man. He's cool. I've said this before on the show <laughs> several times. <laughs> several several million times <laughs> now that it's all to burn the stars and stripes Guess nobody really needs old Uncle Sam Might as well burn the Bill of Rights as well And let her country go straight to hell Only me and crippled soldiers give a damn Should they throw away their purple hearts Somebody said they'd take us without firing a shot. I don't know if they will or not, but only me and crippled soldiers give a damn.
Weekly Comics, Rich. Um, first up, New Fantastic Four was a late inclusion after you mentioned it was coming out this week. Look, honestly, 7 out of 10, better than the first one. I still feel that, you know what I've put my finger on? They don't really use all the members very well. Like, Hulk does barely anything. Like, Ghost Rider gets a massive spotlight. But you know what I mean? I don't get the feeling like guys are getting their kind of, like, fair run in the sun. That's kind of... It's a strangely sort of muted comic to me. What do you think? Oh, I mean, that... Look, that's always going to be the issue when you have a team book. Yeah. Not everyone is going to get the spotlight every issue. Mm. But um, this is only a I'm limited series. Well, I'm assuming they're going to build up to something because, I mean, obviously it's it's only the second issue and Ghost Rider's kind of, he, he sort of did the heavy lifting mm. in this issue. So I thought you would have been happy to see the Rider. Yeah, I was happy, but I didn't uh, like that they kept calling badass him. and ridery. I did, yeah, I did like that, but I didn't like they kept calling him Daniel, you know. Um, yeah, that was weird. Is it is the is the person Daniel? I thought Danny it was Blaze. Danny Blaze is it Danny Blaze? No, Johnny Blaze and Daniel Ke- Danny Ketch. Oh yeah, that's right. But but like yeah. I've never heard the writer like so many times addressed to as his first Man. name while he's the writer. Well, I mean, you know, maybe they just weren't aware that it's not the, actually the same personality when they're the writer. Yeah, well, I'm not a fan of it, man. And, yeah, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying. I think that's. I'm just trying to give a reason. Sounds, I don't think they sounds close that. to an excuse, is what you're doing. Too close. Um, Hulk did nothing. Spider Man barely did anything, and Wolverine had like one line. So, uh, no, Spider Man had some had some funny, uh, witty some lines. Okay. That was his. That was his heavy lifting. I'm giving it a six out of ten. He said, he said "Webs ahoy." He did say "Webs ahoy." <laughs> I, I did like the part where they all criticised Johnny Storm and were like jerk all three of them together. Yeah, when he yeah. was like, "No, look, I think it had some good moments." Um, I, I think well, Johnny just got turned bad in this yeah, one. He's that was been, cool. He's been brainwashed. So I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see those three characters do something now because no, they're going to be good. having to take on Johnny. I'd love to see Hulk against uh, Hulk against Johnny Storm. I would imagine Hulk could could. You've got to do one of those um, claps. Yeah, thunderclaps. Blow the, blow the fire out. Yeah, why not? Um, and we all know Spider-Man and Human Torch are like best buddies. So, you know, interesting. Uh, look, decent No, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10, I've decided, because I, I liked the end beat. I liked the end beat with the Human Torch. It reminded me of the bit I liked. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Um, it's definitely, it's still enjoyable. I wish the colorist was better in this book. I don't know. I forgot to look up who the colorist is. It's just very flat. I feel the color's very flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like the artist. I like that they're trying to mimic the um, the Arthur Adams yeah style. I, I think you know uh, it's 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 good. I'm enjoying it. A you know, um, but the color. I think they need to do something about the color. The color's very flat. I tell you what. I need down the track. I need this as a movie. But a much better story. But Hulk, Ryder, Wolverine, Spider-Man. Am I missing someone? Wolverine, did I mention? Um, you know, and all of them together. Uh, maybe throw in Human Torch as well. That'd be a kick-ass movie. You know? Really mm. good. Oh, come on, Richie. Don't hmm me. That'd be fucking awesome. You, I you, would want to see it, but I would want to see it as an animated movie, not a live-action movie. No, I want live-action. Forget about anime. I would. I would. I would I miss, take it. I miss animated movies, man. Like seriously, like they are pretty much gone. Well, 
you're going to be able to look forward to a really great um, uh, TV series coming soon, the Cape Crusader Batman series. Greg Rucker and Ed Brubaker. No, I'm not talking Chris about Tim. series, though. I'm talking about movies. Do you remember when, like, yeah. like DC used to do the movies? Yeah, I was always annoyed that, that Marvel, but again, Marvel's always struggled a bit more with money until they got bought by Marvel, uh, by Disney. Mm. Um, you, know, I would, I, you know, there's so many cool X-Men stories that never got turned into a movie. Sure. You know what I mean? Like they could have done like a God, you know, God loves man kills storyline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I would have loved to have just seen like maybe arcs turned into movies, but yeah. animated movies. Well, like how DC did with all the Batman, Batman and Son, and they did, they did a lot of that kind of stuff. The better, the better stuff they did. Yes, yeah, not the, not not the, not that stuff. Yeah, not not the. Well, I liked that stuff, but as it, as it wore on, they got worse and worse. You know. Well, that was when they did everything in their New 52 style. Yeah, yeah. I liked it when they did it, and they did it in the style of the comic. Yes, yeah. Like where they did Apocalypse and they did um, Public Enemies, that kind yes. of stuff. Yeah? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it when they did the style of the comic that they were doing. Yeah. Well, Rich, you know, they need to run a few more decisions by you, man. Basically, if it sounds like to me, they need to need to get you on speed dial. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, oh. they, they've all got the streaming stuff, but yet none of them are working on any real animated like movies and stuff to put on there. Mm. It's really weird. Yeah, true. Um, well, I DC pump out a fair bit of stuff. They just put out a new Green Lantern thing the other day. Did you know that there's a new Green Lantern? Yeah, I'm, not, and I'm not watching that. Well, are you familiar with? Why not? What is it? Green Lantern something. I'm not even uh, sure. They've basically just taken uh, John Stewart and given him uh, Hal Jordan's origin. Really? What Abin Sir mm-hmm. comes down to yeah. John Stewart? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow! So they've actually just deleted Hal Jordan now, have they? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think. Really? And and oh, why? So John Stewart, the world's most boring Green Lantern, can. That's a big call. I'm surprised you haven't brought this up in news, Rich. Like this is this is the kind of news you should be bringing the signal. Because oh, I couldn't care, man. Like I, I couldn't. You just that burnout. You couldn't pay me to care about Green Lantern anymore. Wow! If only the rich of like a decade ago could hear you talking, he'd probably shoot you or something. I think he'd be very worried. <laughs> he'd be like, "Oh Jesus Christ, what have they done that turns me off?" <laughs> so I, I remember when I came across Green Lantern, John Stewart, a celebration of fifty years. So I took a picture and sent it to you in the shop. <laughs> I actually I meant to say it should be a very very thin book you know yeah. <laughs> like, he Look, hasn't had as that I many said, um, I, it, it's difficult at the start when franchises that you've been a fan of for so long mm. don't care about you anymore but the good thing is you just got to find other things that you can be sure. a fan about. Then that's true. They don't want that's to true. anymore. So that's what I do. I look for other things to be a fan of. Man. Well, that's true, man. I mean, look, and if they're stupid enough to delete Hal Jordan and replace him with John Stewart, what happens? So gives a thing, then they're that stupid, and they and they don't care about their own franchise. So fuck them, basically. You know, that's mm. them saying, you know what? We're just we're that out of ideas. We're, we're going to just replace this, and I don't think too many Green Lantern fans are going to be thrilled with that, you know? They're basically saying the well, fan base it, now is so it, tiny. It barely made a blip on any radars. Like, yeah, it, didn't, it did make... Um, I, I, I didn't even know the content. I just saw that there was a new Green Lantern product out on uh, HBO Max. That's how I, knew, how I knew about it, but mm. I wasn't aware. I will check that out, that scene, just to report back next week, but... I'm, I just think that that's so lazy where you just go, oh, we're just going to give Jon Stewart the exact... Because to me, 
the iconic moment of Green Lantern is like Gil Kane, you know, and the Abin Sir and summoning and, and the ring getting summoned to Hal Jordan, blah, 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 all that stuff. It's it's iconic, you know? Um, and just to give it to another character, just so sort of cynically, I'm just like, really, guys, that's the best you could do? That, that is the best I could do. Yeah. It's not good enough. <laughs> God. Anyway, um, Superman 349. Now, I want to say this gets bonus points for having OJ Simpson ads back when he was a runner and a cutter, Rich, but not yet a slasher. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, I love to see the OJ ads. And um, this was basically like gender swapped. Everything was gender swapped. It was fun. Marty Pascal writing. I, I think I gave it a 7 out of 10. Like, it's... It's it, it's the kind of Superman that I like I I like to read, and I have a soft spot for. Now I, I'm not saying it's going to win any Eisner awards, and probably it's almost circling the drain a little bit. But but I enjoy it. I find it like good comfort food. That's the, I love this kind of era of Superman. What did you think, Richard? Because I know you sometimes have some different approaches. No, it's very enjoyable. Um... Again, it's, a, it's one of your typical um, Mr. Mixpidlick yes. adventures. Um, and I like the way that he solved it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, like, I, I just like how... One thing I love about these things is I love seeing how writers... Because writers really cared about like how the characters solve things sometimes. Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, and I quite like the way that Superman figured it out. Remind me, how was it again, Rich? I'm just trying to remember. It involved a mirror, didn't it? No. So basically, um, in this world, um, Lewis Clark, uh, yes. sorry, no, um, what is it? Clara Clark. Yes. Clara Kent, sorry. And Superwoman are two different people. Yes. So that set off a red flag for him. Mm. And then when he saw them looking at the, the supervillains list mm -hmm. and all the supervillains were the opposite sex, except for Mr. Ms. Piglick. Mr. Yeah. McPiglick. And he mm -hmm. was like, he, f he figured that his ego was so large that he couldn't change himself. <laughs> he wouldn't yeah. change himself. That is funny. And that's how he figured out that was him. Mm. But, but how did he get him to change, do his name? That's what I forget. Oh, he stole, uh, what was it? Wonder Warrior, which is... Oh, Wonder that's Warrior. right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, lasso. That's it. That's right. And he got the lasso around him and then he forced him to do it. Um, yeah, it was fun. Like, I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was kind of nutty, but it was fun. It was 1980, right at the cusp of, of that, that very transitional period as the 70s ended and the 80s started. And Superman comics were still firmly in the Bronze Age then, weren't they? This is prior mm. to Alan Moore, prior to Dark Knight Returns, prior to, um, you know, all that, all, you know, Alan Moore coming on and all that kind of stuff. So it was, I remember this as a kid, this era. You know, I think that's why I have a fondness for it because I just remember it being around, you know? My, one of my biggest regrets about the modernization of Superman mm. is that, or as, as you know, it, in more modern times of Superman, as it's gone on and on, you get less and less uh, Mr. Mix Piddlick. Yeah, that sucks because he's cool. I think it's always fun to just throw him in every now and again. Totally, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe you've just come off an arc or. Most you know, writers use him once. Most writers use him once. like a one issue thing where he just comes in and causes some shit and you kind of come up with a clever way of Superman to beat him. Like they never do that anymore. I oh, love that no. he used to show up every. Terrible, or, you know, every terrible now and news. Again. Terrible news that, that's just come across. 
Oh, it's so sad. Alan Grant has passed away. Oh, dear. Oh, wow. Yeah, that that's is. really sad news. Um, oh, God, that's chilling news. Sorry to break into your thing there. I just read it on Facebook just then. I want to say uh, just live, like, Alan Grant is, I consider, one of the greatest comic book writers, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I really wanted to get him on the signal. Um but I, for the opportunity to chat to him, you know, honestly, and to say thank you for all his great work, I'm so sorry for his family and everyone who's lost something here. He was an amazing talent, Alan Grant. Like, that's that's sad news. Uh, it brings a chill to the spine, doesn't it, Rich? Yeah, I mean, we've actually been reading quite a bit of his stuff recently. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Oh. he's actually, he, it's so, that is, that's kind of like spooky. Um, mm. Was he 70, 70 something, I think? Yeah, I think yeah, he was he was up there. I'm not sure exactly how old he was, yeah. but yeah, he was he was he was 70 plus, you know, for sure. Um, yeah, just terrible no, that's, news. That that sucks, man. That's like, I mean, again, we've just been talking about him a lot recently. Oh, we, we love him. Yeah, I love him. I'm constantly saying how much I love Alan Grant. I mean, like, we, yeah. we just do him on. Uh, we just did him on Dread and Dead, and we uh, did him on Dread and Dead. Dead. We did Lobocop last week. Yeah. You know, I think of his Lobo contributions, his Dread contributions. My God, the man was so talented. And Batman one stuff as well. One thing. What did you say, Rich? His Batman stuff. His Batman. Yeah. Batman <laughs> thank stuff. you. Yeah. Thank you. His Batman stuff. Like, one thing uh, at least guys like him know is, uh, you know, he he was loved. You know what I mean? Like, fans loved his work. And I yeah. and I hope it enriched his life and his bank account and, and he's left something behind for his, um you know, family. Uh, that's the one. Oh, his, work, his work has touched a lot of people across it has. It has. different stuff because one, he's got the 2080 stuff. He's got the Batman. The, the indie stuff. He's got the the mainstream stuff. Like yeah. he's, I, I think uh, a lot of people have been uh, influenced by his work who might not even know who he is just by mm. just by reading, growing up reading 2080 or yeah or Batman or. Yeah. Uh, or uh, even Lobo. I think he even did Tankle. Oh, yeah. He worked on Tankle or something. It's like he's done a lot of work. So he's done a hell of a lot uh, of work. Sucks, and that, the British that, comic that is... book industry owes Alan Grant a massive debt. Um, he, oh, yeah. you know, he, he 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 was he was so influential and did so much good work. And I remember him so fondly. And you know, I'm 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 so sad right now. I just I just can't almost can't get past it. I'm just like God. It's such a huge loss. Um, but you know. Keeping the train rolling, um, what three four nine? What did you give Superman? I gave it a seven out of ten. Yeah, seven, seven, yeah. Um, and, and and please don't think I'm heartless in moving on. I'm just I'm stunned. You know what I mean? And I have There's to. Keep, much you can I, do. I have so. to keep moving because it's just too sad to think about. Um, A X E Judgment Day One. Oh, God, what an annoying title. Um, is I mean. Wow. Avengers X-Men Eternals. Yeah. And fuck the Eternals. Like I, I look, I've never cared less about the Eternals. I've not watched that movie yet even though Michelle wants to watch it. I just I my my, my factor of caring about the Eternals ever in my life has always been at close to zero. And I thought um okay, the X-Men are cool. Avengers cool. Them fighting again for the 10th time, sure, why not? And then you throw in the Eternals, and I'm like, I don't even know what the Eternals are or do. And the fucking Eternals, for some reason, are just going on the wall path here. And I hope they get the smackdown they deserve. Um, I don't know why they've ramped up hostilities to, you know, DEFCON fucking 11 against uh, the X-Men. 
did you understand why there was this need from the Eternals to just ratchet up yeah. the aggression? It's not against the X Men; it's against mutants. So, well, okay. it's actually a it's a fairly interesting story. Mm. Um, because so the Eternals are the guardians of Earth, right? And apparently, when an Eternal dies, uh-huh. Earth randomly kills a human or sacrifice. Really. Know, um, sacrifice a human to bring them back to life. <laughs> is this in the comic? The yeah. Oh, I, I missed it. Well, so what happens? Uh, when Eternal dies, a human dies, and then the Eternal comes yeah, back to life. Uh, the Eternals uh, protect Earth. Right. And obviously Earth is alive. It's a it's a living machine, as they call it, and all that. And mm. when the Eternals didn't, or not all the Eternals knew this, this was the big secret about the Eternals, is that when an Eternal dies mm. or is killed, Earth basically sacrifices a human Okay. Takes their essence to then revive that Eternal. And then a lot of the Eternals, like Icarus and all that, were quite disgusted with it because they were like, but we're supposed to be protecting the humans, not them sacrificing themselves for us. Anyway, mm. but their job is to uh, protect Earth and humans from what they call deviants, mm. which are mutations. Right. That's what the mutants now, are, aren't they? Now, well, they've actually been fighting these things called uh, deviants <laughs> or, or mutates. Mutates. Which is different. But now this one eternal, his name's Grieg, Grug or something like that. Right. He's decided that the mutants are offshoots of these mutates, these deviants, because mm-hmm. they're not human. Mm. They infect in Earth, and so they need to be wiped out. He's mainly doing it because he's bored. Right. <laughs> And he wants to start a war so that it solidifies himself as the leader. Because, you know, if you're too busy in a war, mm. you're not going to be worried about uh, uh, um, leadership or, or, you know, Politicking. democracy or, you know, voting and all that sort of shit because you're going to be at war. So, so the Eternals are the bad guys here, though. solidifying yeah. his leadership. But, but he puts it forward to basically the board and they tick off on it. Doesn't no, that's it? a different board. Oh, that's okay. that, that's okay. not the Eternals. So he's aligning himself with the the people that Moira McTaggart's aligned herself with, the anti mutant oh. people. Did you understand all this from this one comic? Because there was Jesus Christ, there was a lot going on. I was struggling. Yeah, I, I pay attention. Yeah, maybe I don't. <laughs> I was no, like, yeah, Dave, Dave. If I tell you that I don't know something that's going on, <laughs> that tells you how badly it's written. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. usually I can follow stories pretty well. Can like, I? Can I? <laughs> if, if I don't know what's going on, then you know that someone's fucked up somewhere. Yeah, I I quite liked this, though. I, I did feel like I was coming into the deep end, but I was like, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I Actually, this was better than I expected. Um, I will say, though, and I, I say this again and again now, and I think it's just because I'm getting older with these Marvel events, I honestly do feel sometimes they are just action figures being flung around a room. I just, I just do not sometimes care. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like these, these cheesy scenes have been replayed so many times that like, I'm just like, Oh my God, another excuse for everyone to argue. At least the eternal stuff was coming in from a completely new angle for me. I don't have any idea about what's going on, um, you know. But I always find the Avengers are kind of pricks. Like when when they went after that chick who was having lunch with Tony, I was like, "Fuck, I hate the Avengers for doing that." Yeah, she she's an Eternal. Yeah, she I know. But like, was there a need to be so aggressive? Like, yeah. Well, from, from what I gathered from that is that um, 
the Avengers have just recently had a run in with the Eternals, oh, okay. um, right. who were actually being led by Thanos. So yeah. they now don't trust the Eternals. They think the Eternals are up to something. I'll be honest with you. When I first saw this book and it was on the list. I was like, oh my god, not another Avengers X Men fucking battle. You know, you know, yeah, book because Jesus Christ, they've done that to death in the last. <laughs> I, I like it, but it has been done to death. I agree. But this well, one seems the last seem, ten years. This one seems to be more against the Eternals. Yeah, look, I'll be honest with you. AX is probably the stupidest name. Mm. I get it. Avengers, X-Men, Eternals. I get it, but AX is just so stupid. Like, Yeah, it's not great. Um, I agree. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, but uh, what are you going to do? It's Look, look. it's it's interesting so far. Um, uh, in, in the comics, I certainly do find the Eternals much more interesting than the Inhumans. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean... It's got yeah, that yeah. Food, well, so. I mean, but God, you're dealing with the rock bottom guys, you know. Well, well at least we're not dealing with the rock bottom guys. Is my point. So, <laughs> All right, fair enough, I guess, Rich. Because then it would be hacks. No, yeah. I X. Yeah. Look, I'm going to give it a six point five out of ten. Uh, look, I didn't mind it actually. In all honesty, uh, once I kind of understood what was going on, I was kind of like, this isn't too bad, you know. I yeah, mean, it's not too bad. I just also don't know if I care. Like, I don't like. I don't really care don't about care that these much. characters anymore. So it's really hard to. Well, I, I kind like, of. Ooh, ooh, what's going to happen? Because hmm. you know, again, like, you know, you have a scene where they there and they and you know the mutants on Mars get wiped out. Hmm. But God forbid if that fucking golden ball guy from the X Men, you know. <laughs> He's killed and they have to bring him back because his eggs, his fucking golden eggs are so important to the X-Men. I'm like, really? Are they? Oh, how far the X-Men have fallen. Yeah, that does suck. They're reliant on a guy that, that shits out golden eggs. Yep. That well, look like balls. That is that is a pretty sad state of affairs, I agree. So what's your final score, Richard? It's a six out of ten. Okay, cool. Uh, then we had Batman Superman World's Finest. Uh, look, honestly, five. Can I just say... Is this really the best that Mark Wade can do? Because I'm I'm finding it aggressively mediocre. I, I, I not, you know, it's not the best, but it's maybe the best that he can do currently. No, I mean now. I mean, obviously, in his peak, he was pumping out a lot better than this. Like Mark Wade to me was always your seven point five to eight guy. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was. He might not have been a ten out of ten, but he was pretty damn consistent at giving you seven point five. Dude, he's struggling to make the pass grade. He makes the pass grade here, but barely. You know, I think honestly, I I, I this, thought it was this was not fun. Yeah, it was a, a fucking slog, is what it was. Like, and it just went on and on and on and on and on. And I'm just like, oh my god, Mark Wade. Like, you know, maybe Mark Wade, you've got too many characters to handle in one fucking issue. Maybe dial it in to more Batman, not, Superman. Not not just that. The issue is that I at one point I wanted either Batman or Superman to say, listen, make sure you cup the balls. When you compliment me so much, because the Doom Patrol were literally just carrying on like, "Oh my God, you guys are the greatest!" Yeah. Oh my God, the world needs you. You're so important. Oh, We're expendable. And I was just like, Jesus Christ! Like, are you you auditioning for a job or? Like, uh, yeah. Like you just really had the Doom Patrol like just like sucking them. Like yeah, hard. just yeah, just yeah. falling all over them it's to compliment them and all that, un and all unzipping them and getting down to business. Yeah, yeah it's like, a little bit yeah. annoying actually. I will say this, 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 and this might stun you. Some of the Doom Patrol stuff of their powers was way better than the Batman Superman stuff. You know, mm. 
I was I like, love the Doom Patrol. I always yeah, like when Doom Patrol gets a bit. I, of I, I like the Doom Patrol too, and I was like, Mark Wade seems to be having more fun with the Doom Patrol than Batman Superman. Like honestly, yeah, but at the same time, he's also using them to like just really just like um, boost the ego of of Superman and, and Batman. But you don't need to do that. You know what I mean? Like, a these. No, are I agree. You don't. But he, that's like, only what the 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 route he went. He sure did. Um, gee, I. I'm going to downgrade my score to a five point five out of ten. I, I honestly, Mark Wade. Oh, well, that was well. You've you you've given it my score now. You've come down to my level. Yeah, well, Mark Wade needs to improve because he came onto this book, and a lot of people were there was a lot of hype. You know what I mean? When when when, when he when he entered um, to do to do these books, there was a hell of a lot of hype on Mark Wade. And everyone was like, oh, Mark Wade's finally back doing what he loves to do. You know, all this shit. Like, you know, how you were hearing it, Rich. Like, you know, finally they've released Mark Wade from imprisonment at DC so he can finally do what he's always dreamed of doing. I'm like, if this is literally what he's dreamed of, I'd be surprised. This this feels like Mark Wade has cooked this up over the course of about 15 to 20 minutes and just pumped out a very, very, very generic script. That's honestly how it feels. Like, it doesn't feel planned. It doesn't feel like it has any depth. It feels super throwaway and not in a good way. Um, it's barely passable. The longer I talk about it, the closer I am to giving it less than five out of ten. It's yeah, this this good. does feel I, I, like I'm not saying like every comic has to be the most important, but it needs to feel important in the moment. Yeah, and this just doesn't like this 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 world's finest that he's doing. Yeah, this storyline has not felt. If this is the Meaty, finest in the whole world, I want to kill myself. It does not felt weighty. No, it just it feels very empty and vapid. Like it just yep. feels super it just agree. Feels like blah. Like, uh, like hey, guess what, Mark Wade? Get this for a fucking clue. I ain't buying this omnibus. I've got all of Superman, Batman, and two big omnibuses out there. Jeff Loeb put you to fucking shame. You know what I mean? The Jeff Loeb stuff um, with uh, was it Ed McGuinness and others? You know, mm. against this. That's like a fucking mountain and you're a little that, ant. But to be fair, though, that's the best it's ever been and they haven't been able to match that even before Mark Wade. Well, like, slow slow down, Rich. Back. That was pretty great shit, but you know what was also great? World's Finest back in the fucking 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Oh, 80s. no, no, but that's why I said the last time it was great. Oh, yeah, back then, yeah. the Jeff Loeb. Yeah. It has not been great. So uh, I'm not putting – like I'm just – um, yes, this is not great by Mark Wade, but to be fair – the Superman-Batman partnership has not been great for probably the last 15 years. Yeah. And, and yeah. I would say some of the writers that came after Loeb were better than this, though, on Superman-Batman. They, they it were, was up and down. It was a yeah. bit up and down. Yeah. But I'd take it over this shit, man. You know? That's true. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like Mark Wade, i got to say, I think he's a shadow of a man. I think he's like these these 80-year-old pop singers, you know, rock rock stars who should just retire. I actually think that's what it is. Sometimes you should just retire. Like... You know, if you haven't got it anymore, you, you, you don't have it. Like some some of the, uh, you know, older guys, like, uh, you know, Chuck Dixon no, has you know it. What? Mike I, Barron has it. No, no. So here's the thing. Mark Wade might still have it. Mm. Problem is what he has just might not be relevant anymore in, in this format. So mm. I think what Mark Wade should do is maybe go and do your own shit, man. Like yeah. go write a novel or... Or or, or or go work on a book or go work just maybe go away from superheroes for a bit or from the Marvel. But hasn't DC he got that thing where he's like Mark Wade, dude, he always talks a huge game. Like 
Superman's like number one. Superman's the embodiment of the dream. Superman's, you know, you know, he does that whole like sp- yeah. you know spiel. But, but you've had he gets that dream for the last thirty years, and maybe it's just too late for that dream to mean anything now. I, to, I, I'm going to say something super fucking cynical. I think he's a mouthpiece now. I really do. I think it's all just PR bullshit coming out of his mouth. And when he when he comes to rock behind sit behind the at the at the you know script to do the script now, I don't think he's got it anymore. I think he's lost it, man. He's he's like a guy who's lost his oh. fucking swing. You know, that's it. Well, it's not that it's not that he's lost the swing. It's just that, like as you say, he. Um, I agree with you, like, with their math. Like, let's be honest, okay. Look what's happened to any writer or artist mm. that is not a mouthpiece. Your Mike Barron's, your... your it's a disgrace uh, what's Dixon. happened to Mike Barron and Chuck Dixon. It's an absolute disgrace. You know, uh, but even just at, like, uh, uh, Aaron, like, there's so many names, right? Sure. Um, Shane Davies, EVS. Like, there's so many names of people who don't are not the mouthpieces that don't think the right way or not you know what i mean they're not belating the but but, the, but dude the but, but even beyond no, no, politics but he's so huh? shit scared of of, yeah. of being thrown out like them yeah 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 that i think he's just doing the most yeah milk toast yeah yeah uh story characters yeah. because he doesn't want to upset anyone good he point to make good waves. point and you know what that makes for very uninteresting art you know, mm. if you ain't going to challenge anyone ever, you ain't going to be of any interest, really, well, honestly. What's the, what's the thing they say? The only thing worse than censorship is self-censorship. Bang. And you, you know what? And, I and look, I, I've taken a few shots at Mark Way because this is a poor issue, but, like, his career, his legacy is damn solid. You know, like, mm. he's got stuff that's on my shelf that is some of my favourite shit of all time, like his Flash run, his Kingdom Come, which he did with Alex Ross. Um, the Tower of Babel stuff, you know, uh, he's irredeemable, the first half of that. Like, he some really, really good stuff. And I do uh, really stand by my comment. He was a 7.5 to 8 out of 10 guy for a long time, and that's a lot better than most people, you know? Um, he was very consistent, and I don't know. Like, you are right, though. This strike, you are, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Milk toast trying to sort of be super sort of lightweight in a weird way. I, I also get a bit like I, I hate the part where it always has to – I know it's part of the PR where they try to make everything sound like it's the greatest thing of all time, but his own prologues have made me roll my eyes some, sometimes where he's like, <laughs> you know, it's just so – it's such a fanboy's wet dream how he's talking about writing these characters. And I'm just like, oh, good, calm down, please. Please calm down. You know, like, Superman is a great fucking character, I agree, but can we just, can we stop jerking him off long enough to write a fucking script? You know? Like, I don't know. There's just something, I I just think he's kind of, I think he's a shadow of who he was, frankly. I do think some of it's talent. I think he's lost something, man. And um, he's yet to convince, he's five issues in, man. If If this wasn't Mark Wade, would we still be reading this? I don't think so. You know? I'll be honest with you, I pretty much forgot about it. Yeah. Well, be fair, I forget about a lot of the stuff until it makes the list. So it's fair enough, man. Well, you know. I, I'm giving this, I'm giving this, I, I've downgraded my score. I'm giving it five out of 10 and Mark Wade's on notice. He better improve. I'm serious. What are you giving it, Rich? Yeah. I also gave it a five. Yeah. And I think he's fucking lucky to get a five, frankly. Um, then we had, and this was a tribute to Michael Kellersham and his mother. Michael specifically messaged me and asked me if he could do, we could do a Betty and Veronica 70s issue 
like a throwback issue. And I was like, sure, of course we can, Mike. Um, in tribute to Michael and his mum, who I assume they read probably, you know, Archie and Betty and all that kind of stuff back in the day, um, and Veronica. Uh, we did Archie's Girls, Betty and Veronica 250, which was right in the middle of the 70s, 1976, I believe. Uh, all I could say is I gave it 7 out of 10, and it was fun. Like, it was, it was like, I mean, it's kid stuff, but it was it was fun. It was, it was right down the middle, just how I like it. Um, it was of yesteryear. Uh, but I had a good time, and it was good seeing Betty and Veronica and Archikins, and uh, Veronica just she, Archie just basically Veronica's puppet. Um, and then it was funny when he called that Betty, and she came to him as his puppet. Um, that was actually a funny moment in the book. Um, yeah, I'm giving it a seven. And you know what? If I was if I was like nine years old, I'd probably give it higher than that. Um, what did you think, Rich? No, mate. I'm sorry. This is awful. This is so much. Oh Jesus! This this is utter garbage. The sexism, the misogyny. <laughs> you know. Oh God! I, you know this. The people who made this should be disgusted with themselves. They should, they should be cancelled. No, there was, it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it, it just reminded me when I used to read. Uh, the, these were the Archie books I used to read back in the day. Sure. Um, yeah. All these Archie stuff and all that, and it's hilarious because it's just it's like little just sitcoms. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. It's not like long storytelling where you're reading like seven issues. For no, it. It's just yeah. little quick. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. Here's a funny thing. Here's a funny thing. And um, they're pretty much the, the, the characters were exactly how I remember them uh, when yes. I read them like 30 years ago. And it's very, you realize when you're reading them how they are just like the strips in the newspaper. Like it's quick gags. You know what I mean? There's a bit mm. more, there's a bit more set up than would be in a newspaper strip, but not a ton more. Um, they're pretty fast, quick gags. I, I liked it. Good to see Jughead. How about when Jughead and Archie in the first one are just paying out on uh, Betty and Veronica who are doing some weeding or do something. Some gardening. Doing some gardening. And then the two of them are just lobbing insults at them like like nothing else. And then they get their comeuppance. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, yeah. Good I like times. the one where it was too hot for Veronica. Um, yeah, to make out and stuff, to kiss him or do anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, was, it was some good... It's a good funny stuff. He threw her in the pool, didn't good, he, and then kissed it's her. So good, it's so good to read something that's funny because men are being men and women are being women. <laughs> <laughs> Rich. Rich determined. So nice. Rich determined to lose a feminist vote, but, you know, whatever. Um, no. <laughs> women are women and men are men. There's, what's feminine, What's anti-feminist about that? I don't know. I'm sure they'll find some problems with it, Rich. But, um, yeah, I, look, it was fun. It was fun. But it still proves that Betty is still my gal. Yeah, Betty. Yeah, Betty. Okay, yeah. I'll tell you what, Veronica Veronica has done pretty well in the polling. After an early Betty resurgence, Veronica has really pulled it back recently. Um, Ed Greenwood really gave a thumbs up to Veronica. He had an yeah. art, He had the artist who had the pornographic Veronica's. Yeah, he's, he's, he did say that, which I guess <laughs> might influence you, I guess, but... <laughs> But Maybe. that's because good old Betty would not be caught dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great times. Um, well, look, we're coming to our trade of the week. Just a short one, a four-issue Phantom Stranger uh, miniseries uh, from Paul Kupperberg and Mike Mignola on art and P. Craig Russell on inking. So quite the gathering of kind of industry legends, Rich, really. Mike Bignola, really early on in his career. What was this? Very was mid- early, yeah. Mid-80s, I think, so well before Hellboy. 
Oh god, yeah, yeah, no. This if you if if someone didn't tell you that this was Mike, you probably would not have. Oh, I, w- I would never have guessed it ever. Would not have guessed it because it no. is very. I mean, the, the, you can see you can see the genesis there a little bit. Sure, but it's so far removed from from his his Hellboy work. Yeah, yeah, it's it's completely different. Um, but Phantom Stranger, interesting character. I knew that we kind of both shared a bit of an interest in Phantom Stranger, which is why I picked it. And I, I like Paul Kupperberg. We did that um, crazy uh, Peacemaker miniseries from him. Um, mm-hmm. I had a good time with this. I, I love the 80s throwback, Reagan and Gorbachev and the nuclear arms talks, which was all we ever heard about in the mid-80s. I so was constantly talking about, you know, um, into ballistic missile, you know, summits and stuff. And Eclipso, also an interesting villain. Um, there were some weaknesses. I always find the the sort of, like, endless fighting of demons, I find, gets very repetitive. But overall, I really enjoyed the story, and I enjoyed how it ended as well with the Evangelicist um, in the final issue. I actually felt this was a pretty, pretty good, solid mini um, it didn't overstay its welcome. I think four issues was enough. Um, cool to see the Phantom Stranger. Um, I, like, just as a piece, I did enjoy it. I'm not saying it's the world's greatest stuff, but I enjoyed it. What did you think, Rich? Yeah, uh, very enjoyable, very in-depth. Uh, mm. A lot going on in this. It's certainly not fluff. No. Um, uh, it's a very interesting story. So you're dealing with a depowered Phantom Stranger, mm. um, and you're dealing with a uh, Eclipso who has got basically three Doomsday plots, plots in effect, mm. which is so stupid that he didn't do them all three at the same time. But he's sort of yeah, he's a gambler. You know, he likes. You to wouldn't just, have you much know. of a comic if you did that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was um, fun. Like the, but I like yeah. that each one was so different. So one was. Um, one was about, like with earthquakes. Yes. Uh, one, one was with nuclear war, and then yes. the other one was basically a bit more through magic. And the nuclear war one was the one where he uh, possessed Reagan, yeah, and did all that stuff. Well, a, a demon took Reagan's place. Yes. yes, that was that was a good one. And then I really liked the last one with the evangelicist. Um, that was interesting. Jimmy Olsen yeah. just shadowing the story was kind of funny as well. Like, well, Jimmy, yes. So I liked that there was. There was three different characters. So, mm. uh, what's his name? Bruce Gordon, mm. who's the guy that basically brought Eclipso back into the world mm-hmm. uh, from uh, cutting himself on the Black Diamond. So, he's basically become uh, the Phantom Stranger's Watson. Yes, true. Um, good, good, good pull. You know, he's, he's going with him. But I like that each plot, mm. there's a different character for each one. So when it's the earthquake ones, the it's the the, and I like that all these characters are set up at the start, you know, so they don't just appear out of the blue. Yes, um, the, those threads are actually put in. So you've got the doctor who discovers all the seismic activity and all that sort of stuff, and no one's listening to her. Then you've got Jimmy Olsen who's following this Russian guy, mm. um, which is all tied into the nuclear stuff and all that. Um, and then you've got that Russian woman who you think is part of the nuclear thing, but she's actually part of the cult thing. Yeah. Um, because one of her agents disappears who's investigating the cult. So I like that each one has this other character that is tied to it that plays an important part mm. in the plot. It's not just the Phantom Stranger. No. Like, it's actually he's kind of working. Because that's kind of what the Phantom Stranger does in a sense. He's, he's a bit like the Watcher in a sense in that 
he's not just there to watch, but he's more there to help people get the problem done. He doesn't just yeah. do it himself. He's not like Superman that just comes in and saves the day. He no. he's there to sort of he sort uh, of nudges and and works with them and he I mean he's quite active in this strip more than normal but even still at the end I like the way we don't know anything about his real origins he's a man of mystery he's basically a stranger as they say um, interesting character but and- I tell you what in reading this I can actually see where someone might pull the the Christian. Mm connection from though i know that they say that he's masters of order and all that but it was interesting to me where one of the demons or i think it's eclipse says to phantom stranger when he's talking about betrayal and he goes but you know all that yeah. too well don't you stranger and i was like maybe this is a story where they decided he was due to you know yeah yeah <laughs> we're looking for like rebooting the maybe they were like hmm. well it is kind of a cur- weird kind of existence like it's it's it you know it is kind of a you could imagine it being kind of a penance what he's doing because it's kind of living halfway in the world and halfway out kind of thing you know mm. It's an interesting. Like, I actually liked the storyline quite a lot. I think Paul Kupperberg's a really interesting guy. I'd like to get him on the show, um, you know, and and really chew the fat with him on stuff like this. He wrote a lot of Superman. I I I I'll, I'll openly say I became aware of him through John Suntras on Word Balloon, who has him on quite a lot. He's quite a regular, and he's a very entertaining, uh, you know, storyteller. And he's written a lot of books. I've got a couple of his books, um, actually, like, you know, uh, How to Write Comics and stuff, you know, different di- different sort of stuff. And he's an interesting guy. He did a lot of um, lot of work at DC, worked a lot with Julie Schwartz and um, was, like, his assistant for years, as well as, like, writing a lot of stuff, um, did a lot of letters columns, just did a lot of work at DC for a good long time. And um, interesting guy, and they mentioned this on the show in passing, and I thought, wow, he did Phantom Stranger. I should find that, and we found it and did it. I I really liked as well. You got a sense that this was done in the eighties, but they was they were definitely the change was happening in comics, and they were going for kind of more of a. I hate to use the word realistic because it's not realistic, but you know what I mean, kind of more of a worldly kind of feel to the story. Um, you know, with the news outlets and the nuclear arms talks, and it was hitting a lot of buttons that were really big in that period. And um, the one weakness for me, too much fighting of demons. I always find that gets boring. But overall, I really liked how it led up to that unity call around the world that was actually going to, they thought, unleash Eclipso or do something crazy with Eclipso. And then it turns out the Phantom Stranger took him to Stonehenge where the white magic was. I thought that was cool, um, that idea of sort of like world unification, but it was actually going to lead to apocalypse. Um, yeah, just to, I, I actually think, listeners, if you're interested in Phantom Stranger, you could do a lot worse than checking out this four-issue mini by Paul Kupperberg. And Mike Mignola, fascinating to see his artwork at an early stage, you know, like mm. super interesting. And he did have a distinctive style back then. It was definitely not the DC house style. Uh, no, but I mean, it. this is definitely, what I liked about DC is if they, they generally would get artists for particular types of books. Mm. So if you were doing like a swamp thing, you know, they wouldn't go and get like a, a guy that's like really good at drawing, you know, like superheroes or Superman. Yeah. yeah. If they were doing something magic based, if they were doing something a bit more horror based, they would usually go and find these type of artists. Mm-hmm. 
um, to give it that, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, for sure, and, man. And it's nice to see we're sort of, you know, because Mike did a bit of DC work as well, because I remember he did, um, uh, there was that Odyssey one that he did. Um, yeah, uh, and there is a tra- there is a trade they released a few years ago, maybe two or three years ago, which he, which covers his DC period, I believe. I rem- yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. So no, but this was good. Uh, it's just interesting to see. It's like it's like when you see like it's it's like seeing Seth Mc uh, not Seth McFarlane, uh, uh, Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Um, you know, and you see his early Spider Man stuff, and then you look at his um later on in his career in his spawn stuff you mm. can see how he's evolved so it's, it's always fascinating to me see an artist Definitely. when you go back and see their earlier stuff um sometimes it's better like rob liefeld uh-huh. uh, sometimes it's just new or raw or still fresh it's but, all uh, you know what this is because clearly mike mignola is a master of his craft and and you know he was developing his craft here and he had a strong sense of composition and everything but it reminds me of going if you like a band and you really like the band you kind of come in halfway through their career and you go to their early their debut album and it's very strong but it's very raw you know mm. um you know what i mean like it's it, it's that kind of a feel and i and that's how i felt here but I still felt it was a very professional job by him. Like, I mean, it, it, it had personality. Oh, no, no, this, you know? this was fantastic. I mean, if yeah. this had been, if this had continued to be his style for the rest of his career, I think he would still be popular. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I, I a Very, a really enjoyable, uh, a quicker read, but quite a meaty read because there was quite a lot of text in here. And, um, you know, what are you giving a read? Yeah, it's an 8 out of 10 for me. I. Cool. I really enjoy this. I like I like stuff like this. You know, as I said, it's got a got a mixture of like science. It's got a mixture of nuclear, yeah. you know, uh, espionage type yes. angle. Then you've also got this weird cult event. You know, it's I really like that all three doomsday ideas were so different. Yeah, yeah. And I like the clips. I was the main villain. Um, uh, again, I like how they use characters. You know, I like you know the Jimmy had a little part to play in it. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it's an eight out of ten. Really enjoyable. Um, I think it was only four issues, but uh, it was yeah, definitely, issues. definitely felt meaty. Yeah, definitely. I I totally agree. Now, um, that brings us to the end of this show. Um, now, Rich. So next week, um, in our weekly comics, we'll do the Mike Barron thing, but it's still your choice for the trailer week because the Mike Barron comic is only about sixty pages. Um, so there's still plenty mm-hmm. of room for something. Have you got anything in mind that you would like to do? Uh, nothing as right. of yet. All right. Well, we'll come back to you on that, Rich. Um, but uh, yeah. Now I do want to say thank you to listeners. Um, please, if you can support the show at at patreon.com slash signal of doom, uh, it's highly appreciated. It goes towards show running costs. It means more Dreddo Dead, more Legion Outpost, more Signal. Um, we're proud members of the collective. Uh, we're on there with guys like Brian Beggie from Inner Demons. We've got Ray. At Into the Night and Last Sons of Krypton with uh, with Connor. We've got Phil, and I, I'm going to be back on Phil, who runs Capes and Lunatics, and I'm going to be back on the Ultimate Spider cast this Sunday night doing the next volume of the Ben Riley stuff, uh, which I'm really enjoying, actually, Rich. And um, there's a ton of good... Um, I am your target demographic. Uh, there is also um, oh, the Warlock podcast, and there's a, there's a really good one on Legion, and um, Ghost Spider Groupie. So there's a, there's a lot of good podcasts on the collective. Uh, so you do yourself a favour and check that stuff out. We're on Twitter. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, hit like on the Signal Doom Facebook page. I want to say again, our deepest thanks and sympathy to Alan Grant and his family. He gave so much and built such a legacy uh, that honestly, words can barely do it justice. And I'm being 1,000% serious. Uh, he was the greatest. And, you know, uh, I mean, just a massive chunk of my life spent reading his fantastic work over multiple properties. And, I mean, he he's a man who lived his life and I think he achieved, you know, ultimate success in his chosen profession, Rich, don't you? I agree. I agree. And yeah. also before we head off, I just want to uh, well, once again share our condolences with uh, with Michael. With yeah. His family. yeah, his family. Yeah, um, his mum, yeah. You know, I hope sure. uh, things get better. I hope listening yeah. to us at least takes your mind off of it. Exactly. For an hour or two. I tried not um, to get too dark this episode, man, in, in in reverence. You know? No, but you know, it's been it's been that episode, you know, so yeah. just, you know, sure. uh just look after everyone. Uh That's it. peace and kind. love as they say. What what do the Beatles say? All you need is love. All you need is love. I wish that was true. Yeah. Very easy to say, John. You know what I'm saying? Very <laughs> easy to say. Harder to live. Harder well, to I've live. Got the money, so all I need is love. <laughs> all I need is cash. Um, <laughs> on that cheery note, I want to say thank you and good night. Good night.